LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning. Four minutes past four. Miserable. Miserable outside. It's another it's another wet day, I'm afraid. But don't worry, it uh, should disappear a little bit later on with a, a bit of luck. I'll just give you a quick rundown in a moment. What the dickens is the computer doing now, honestly? It's in a mind of its own, isn't it? Once it starts doing things, you have, I'm not too sure whether the computer is doing the right thing. It's when you get the egg timer on there and you can't get rid of the blast. Oh, it's gone. Oh, there you go. It's a little bit of a strange moment there going on before we start the programme. Trust you well. It's a picture of the paper today. It's not in all the papers, it's just in, in one of them, of somebody called Gemma Myrna. She's apparently in Hollyoaks. It's another another disastrous embarrassment, I'm afraid. The reason I mention her is because last night they had the Inside Soap Awards. It's uh, it's another award ceremony. You know, you might as well call it the Dingly Dangly Awards or something like that. Anyway, so this this poor creature turns up. She's 29, so she's fairly ancient in terms of Hollyoaks. I've got no idea who she is. She plays Carmel McQueen, and she turned up wearing what can only be described as the sort of thing you wear if you're trawling the Reaper Barn for a bit of client. It's ridiculous. Yeah, they've got somebody else here who's dressed far more demurely. But it's, it's obviously something about the Hollyoaks girls that means that they want to dress like tarts. I know that they, they put up Yorgi Porter in the past. In other words, have you ever heard of such a name? Yorgi Porter. Bit of a toss-up between the two. You wouldn't find any sort of decent actress behaving like this, unless they were in a part at the moment. But she's wearing a dress that's barely holding her heaving chest in. Probably sounding a bit appealing to some of you listening at the moment, I should imagine. Especially if you're drinking, you know, heaving bosom here. With a zip that goes down the middle. You know, I mean, it's... The trouble is, it's she's badly bleach blonde. She's over-made up. She, I mean, she could be anybody. Which means she'll probably turn up on the Strictly Come Dancing programme. Either the Strictly Come Dancing or the Strictly Come Dancing on Ice, I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here programme. Uh, because they're all inter- intertwinable. And that's what some people do. They just drift from one programme to another. They go, my career is washed up, I'm in Hollyoaks, and I don't want to be taken seriously, so what am I going to do? I'm going to go on a reality show. And so we have a plethora of reality shows on the television which cater for these non-entities. That's why. They're, they're always hoping, aren't they, in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, there's going to be a, a bit of nookie action going on. And between you, me and the gatepost, there very rarely is. The nearest you got to it, I think, was... was um, Who's that ghastly old made-up page three thing? Who didn't do page three? Oh, um, oh I can't remember a name, actually. Oh, Jordan, that's right. Oh, sorry, it's so funny how it slips your mind when somebody's not been on television for ages. Although, to plug her dreary book, they're running adverts on the television. You know, Jordan's going to be on Daybreak or something like that. God in heaven. That time of the morning, and that much makeup troweled on there. You can imagine how ghastly it's going to look. I should imagine half the cast must be there going, look at the state of that... Perhaps she'll turn up with that sort of little draggy doormat thing that's called her husband, laughingly. Uh, and so they, they put all these people on these programmes, and we all sit there and watch them. The Dancing on Ice one was always amazing. If you didn't know anybody on it, the chances were they were in Hollyoaks. Hollyoaks seems to be the programme they dragged them on. There's some bloke on the dancing programme. I think he's from Hollyoaks. And he's got a double-barrelled name. I can't remember what his name is, but he's sort of... Ashley Taylor Dawson. I mean, have you ever heard of such a thing? Apparently, he's, he's a lot older than he looks. He's married and got children, I think, or something like that. But again, they obviously all see it as some sort of root out of their dreadful humdrum lives. 
Because you can afford to give up the day job and go uh, ninnying around on the television, a bit like that little dreadful little show-off, Susanna Reid. They were running a clip the other day to try and persuade you to watch the programme, which, which you don't need to be persuaded, you're watching it. It's actually got two million more than The X Factor, because that's a pile of rubbish. Which reminds me, Union J. OK, some of you might have heard of them, some of you might not have heard of them. Uh, if you're if you're a little girl, probably under the age of about 15, you've probably heard of Union J. They've had one single in the charts which got to number six. That was it. They haven't had an album out. The second single is due shortly, but they've already got an autobiography. I mean, it's absolutely hilarious. They've been in the business like that, shorter than that, and they've got an autobiography out. I thought the idea of an autobiography was when you'd actually done something, as opposed to, you know, been an assembled group, and, you know, we all put our arms around each other, and we've done a little video, but the only person buying their single is the Union J fans. It's like the One One Direction boys. The One One Direction boys bring out a single. It might go to number one. Next week, gone. Because once the fans have bought it, it doesn't go round the world. Like Calvin Harris, I think, has been in the charts... Every week over the last 18 months, Calvin Harris, and that's why he's got a personal fortune of 20 million, Okay, By himself, he's in this rich list today, 20 million pounds. Now, the boys from One Direction top it, but of course it's a pile of poo, because there's five of them. So when they say their fortune is 59 million, that's split five ways, so they're only really 10 million, so they're not even in the chart at all. Daniel Radcliffe at 56 million is the richest person and possibly the most grounded. I know nothing about Calvin Harris. I know nothing about Union J, except one looks like a girl with too much hair. One of them is gay. One of them's got his girlfriend pregnant, I think. And that's that's as far as I go. I couldn't name you their record, but they've got an autobiography out. And I think to myself, you don't need to do very much nowadays. And, of course, the little girlies will go out there. I'm sure if they brought out a perfume or a scent... I mean, it's amazing what you can do when you've actually not been in the charts... It's phenomenal. I mean, I think it's terribly clever. It's like, but you think to yourself, okay, so there they are. Have they they made any, they're not in the charts, so they've obviously not made any money yet. Because as far as I know, they don't write anything. Unless you write something, you've, uh, you've had it completely. So they need to learn how to write things. But they're not going to be allowed to do that, because they're going to be a group that will be manufactured. You don't think One Direction would be allowed to write a song. That would be the kiss of death. No, just play Pretty Boys, dance up and down, have a few tattoos done, and uh, and we can give you £10 million each. But the big problem is, as Cheryl Cole has discovered, she's washed up. Her career is finished. At the age of 20-something, Cheryl Cole is resorted to going out to have dinner with an ex-member of Girls Aloud, and that's it. Cheryl Cole's career finished in America ages ago. There's no chance I'd be very surprised of her getting back in the charts again. Very, very surprised. If Cheryl Cole actually gets back in the charts, you know, I would eat half the studio. Please, God, it never happens. And um, and then, strangely, Dawn wrote to me the other day, and we were talking about uh, she likes James Arthur, and James Arthur has, has, has proposed, laughingly, to this Tamara... The girl is on the, the other one of thieves. Don't ever invite around the house. She'll be shoplifting your stuff. So just be very careful. Actually, I've got a great story about shoplifting later on. So James Arthur has done this, and he's, he's in the charts. Now, the interesting thing will be to see if he can maintain this. And then Dawn told me about Matt Goss, that he's in the charts. That, well, we went through, we trawled everything. We trawled everything. We couldn't find him in the top 100 iTunes albums. 
Couldn't find him there. Couldn't find him on any chart whatsoever. And Dawn said, I think, might have got this wrong, that he was number 23 or number 26 in this particular... Well, we can't find him. You can download him, but we can't get any figures from Amazon on the downloading. So it's, it's a bit difficult for us at the moment to find anything else at all. And the computer's just given up, hasn't it? Just So don't, don't text or email at the moment, because it'll vanish into the ether. So uh, just... Anyway, just going back briefly to poor Gemma Myrna, 29... Wearing, I don't know, I don't know what. They said she was wearing a stunning yellow leather dress. It's the attention-seeking, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And unfortunately, it doesn't kind of work, does it? Because after all, you see through these people. Well, you can certainly see through this one. You just about see everything she's got on offer, which is, which is fantastic. Uh, the good news is, they think they found a cure for baldness. Now, up until now, the only cure for baldness... It's castration. It's a little bit drastic, I realise, but if you really want to hang on to that head of hair, you don't want to end up having a transplant. Transplants never work, and there's all these other things you can put on your hair, and it'll grow this and grow that. And we've seen various stories about baldness over the years. There was one, a farmer, his cow licked the head of, for some, I don't know why, I don't know why you want a cow to lick the top of your head, but anyway, it did, and apparently hair started growing. And they're now saying that there could be, there could be the breakthrough in sight. An amazing Cure for baldness. Uh, scientists uh, have worked out how to create the follicles from which hair sprouts. And so they've cloned hair from seven people. They then implanted it onto human skin, which had been grafted onto the backs of mice, and it grew successfully. Imagine the poor mice. One minute you're like little mouse, the next thing you've got this bloody great big beard trailing out behind you. They must hate it. Anyway, this could be the thing. It actually has the potential to grow new follicles using a patient's own cells. I mean, you know, there have been lots of people who comb hair over, lots of people who sort of use toupees. In fact, I was... Who was I talking to yesterday? Oh, I was talking to Matthew Kelly about the Liberace film, and I said, and of course, Liberace wore a wig. I never knew what Liberace looked like without his hair, because he was only ever seen with his hair. But there must have been a time when he didn't have... Uh, his wig on the television because he must he obviously must be losing it at a, at a very early age uh, but it, it, it could spark hope for people like Gail Porter good god she's not still around is she uh, because she lost her famous blonde locks to alopecia after a love split only goes to pr- don't ever split up in your life all sorts of things happen it goes completely pear shaped I love the picture in the paper today and uh, this what now oh here we go has it all gone wrong was it on the wrong thing Oh, God. Oh, right. Oh, right. To be... Oh, there's... Right, this is the chart. Now, which chart is this? It's the what? It's the official chart, is it? Oh, right. Okay. And so, uh... So this... Oh, wait a minute. I can't move the thing up and down. Oh, yes, I can. Right, so this is the official album's chart. So... And is is this dated... Is this today? Sunday. Oh, right. This is Sunday. So this runs to the 26th of October, the top 100... And so we've got, number one, John Newman. I've never even heard of John Newman. Why have I never heard of these people? I must be, I must be out of the loop or something. Paul McCartney, he's number three. Pearl Jam. I've heard of Pearl Jam, so that's good news, isn't it? I'm quite pleased about that. I always like it when, I, when I've actually heard of somebody. Jonathan and Charlotte. Perhaps love is like a meme. I heard them being interviewed the other day. Of course, we have them on In Conversation. First time around. Cher's done very well with her album, Closer to the Truth. Uh, Miley Cyrus, the Arctic Monkey. It's well, so far I've actually heard of most of them, except the one at number one. Uh, Chase and Status. Never heard of Chase and Status. I don't even know. You know who they are? You've heard? Oh, right, OK. Uh, Passenger. Oh, I've heard of Passenger. They had a big hit single with... Oh, God. 
what was it called? It was a very, very well-known record. I've played it on the, on the programme. I've played it. I've got it. Yeah, I've got it. Well, I've got it on my, uh, on my, on my song sheet. On my song sheet. Passenger. What was their big hit? The moment you hear it, you'll, you'll know what it is. You'll know what it is. Wait a minute. Passenger. Per, 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 per. Passenger. No, that, that's the name of the group, isn't it? Doesn't really help, I suppose. Uh, Passenger. One album, one song, Steve. It's called All the Little Lights. And it's a very, very nice... In fact, it's so nice, I downloaded it. Which means if I've downloaded it, it must be a, a brilliant, brilliant thing. So that's their album. And they're at number nine. They're at number nine. So they've gone up. Saturdays, Living for the Weekend. That's gone at number ten. Uh, London Grammar, number 11, Halcyon by Ellie Goulding. So wait a minute, let's go down a bit further. Uh, then you've got Jesse J, Gary Newman, good Lord, he's, he's new in as well. And new in at 20... S- new in at 27 is, uh, is Matt Goss, Life You Imagine. So I can't wait to see how this one turns out next week. That'll be the... But we couldn't find it anywhere earlier on. We went through everything, it's not on iTunes... And I assume you can you can download it. There you go. Look at that. At number 37, the very best of Scylla Black. Yes! Bring it on, ladies and gentlemen. Scylla Black hits the charts again at number 37. I've got them. In fact, you, you can find lots of versions of the best of Scylla Black. Obviously, what they've done is they've repackaged it. Because some of the, uh, some of the early ones... Oh, and uh, one, one Direction, Take Me Home... Uh, down at number 38. They were 38 last week. I think they've been 40... Is that number there, how many weeks on the charts they've been? 49 weeks on the charts. They're down at 38 now. Because once the fans have bought it, it slowly drops, 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 drops. Because they, they don't... I couldn't name you any One Direction song, apart from the first one that they had, and I'm not even sure of the title of that. I am sure of the time, though. 17 minutes past four. Morning. As apparently of 11pm last night, Steve, Matt Goss was 163 in the iTunes chart. Unfortunately, we only went as far as 100. We couldn't find it. So 163. Oh, it's done well, isn't it? I shouted in Morrison's yesterday. I sh- it's unlike me to shout anywhere, actually. In fact, I don't. I'm generally good as gold. And I uh, go into Morrison's. And uh, it's strange because I've been into Iceland because they had some Uncle Ben's rice on offer at a pound a packet. So I bought eight. They're, they're savoury rice and basmati rice and things like that. And t- to be honest with you, every so often, just to do the, the health kick, I like to steam some rice and I just put vegetables in. Like yesterday it was broccoli, miniature sweet corn and carrots. And I steam that up and then just have that as a meal, which I quite liked. So I was trying to remember because I'd run out of Earl Grey tea bags. OK, story starts here. So I've been to Iceland. They don't do Earl Grey tea bags. So... I, I then went to Marks and Spencer's. They do. I had them before and they weren't very good. The only decent ones you can get are the Twinings Earl Grey tea bags. They're about, I mean, seriously, you know, it's like some people say Heinz salad cream tastes like nobody else's or Heinz tomato ketchup or, you know, bird's eye beef burgers with onion taste the best out of it. Anyway, that kind of thing. So it's got to be Twinings. So I always buy them and I buy boxes of 100 or whatever it is. And I've run out. Luckily at home, I had a complete new tin. So I took some of those. Anyway, so I go to Morrison's and I'm looking along the, the shelf and they, they've, got, they've got the same Uncle Ben's rice. And theirs is at a pound as well. So I thought, oh, well, that's quite good. I thought, you know, up until then, it was sort of exclusive to Iceland. So I didn't, I didn't buy that. But instead, I thought I'd better buy some milk. Don't like to run it. Every so often I have to go and buy some milk. So I go, I go, I pick up my milk and I go, and there's a queue. There is one woman serving. Okay. There is one woman serving. There is one bloke standing by the self-service till, and it's broken. And he's saying to the woman behind the counter, then another woman comes behind the counter and she's pricing something up. And so there's four of us in this queue. 
And so the woman who's pricing something up, the bloke goes, sorry, can you, can you sort this till out? Because once it says, call for assistance, you can't do anything. You've got to stand there like a lemon. And so he looks at the queue and goes, and sort of throws his arms up in the air kind of a bit. Anyway, so this other woman, who's being served by the woman on the till, not the woman who's pricing up, but being served, has, has jumped the queue. We're all standing in a queue and she's just pushed in. And, of course, being British, nobody says it, a few sort of mutterings and things like that, people getting out submachine guns. And so, you know, the dog and all the rest of it. And she's totally oblivious to the fact she's just muscled in. And so we're sort of standing there, and this bloke is still standing there waiting for somebody to come and do his till, and this other woman's faffing around pricing. He says, excuse me, can you come and do this now? And so she goes, I'm just doing this till. I'm just trying to sort of price this thing up. And so she mouths to somebody at the back of the shop, can you come on to the till? So I stood there, and I don't know what possessed me, but in a big, loud voice, I went, there's a queue! In a really big, loud voice. Immediately, four people appeared. Four people appeared. I thought, why are you standing there like idiots? Why should you have to put up with substandard service in a shop? If they can't be bothered, we shouldn't be bothered to go there. It's as simple as that. But the moment I went, there's a queue! Everybody turned around in my, in my queue, and obviously was grateful that I did it, and so ev- eventually four people turned up. And so I go to the self-service till. And it says, so you push to start, do you have your own bag? Well, of course I did, because my own bag was full of my Iceland stuff with the eight packets of Uncle Ben Rice. Place your bag on the bagging counter. So I did. Key in my thing, 89p for the milk, put it in the bag, wrong weight. And of course it's the wrong weight. So the, the manager, I said, can you sort this out? You know, been standing here since God created the earth. And so he sort of comes over and he goes, um, what, what, what bag's this? I said, the machine said, do you have your own bag? I said, I do. And that's it. I thought, tried to point out the patently obvious to this man who was either blind or dumb. I couldn't quite work out which. And so we lifted the bag up, put it down again, and then we put the, the milk in. And then eventually the machine worked. But up until then, you know, the staff just faff around. It's like you go to Poundland in Twickenham. There'll be 30 people standing, queuing, two people working, and some other silly old tart filling up the shelves with lighter fluid. How much lighter fluid are you going to sell in a day? Get behind the till. Serve the customers. And so, unfortunately, I do it more and more now. I do it more and more. I walk into a shop. If I'm standing there and it's really slow service or there's not enough people serving, I just put the stuff down and walk out. I go somewhere else. That's what you have to do. Vote with your feet. Don't stand there like lemmings. Nothing worse. You wait till a little opens over the road a bit. They'll be on the mark for the, uh, for the service in shops. It doesn't happen all the time. But when it does happen, it's so frustrating because they couldn't give a toss. They don't care about it. It's not their shop. Why should they worry about it? Anna says, did you see the documentary on shoplifting? Um... No, is this the woman who's the scrounger, the benefit fraudster? The woman who scrounges and doesn't... I've got no intention of working. And she was buying stuff from shoplifters. I think she's been interviewed by the police. I seem to have... I remember that story from earlier on. Yes, this is the mum of 11, Heather Frost, that waste of space, uh, who's been quizzed by police after she appeared on television paying shoplifters for stolen goods. Stupid woman. So she can afford to have a horse... She can afford to have the big colour television, afford to have everything else and 11 children, but she, she buys nicked goods. Stupid woman. Hanging. Hanging, as far as I'm concerned. Let's bring back hanging. I think it's a much better idea. She gets £60,000 a year in benefits. She's got a £1,000 parrot. I mean, these people are taking the Michael, aren't they? Let's take everything away from her. Why on earth? I mean, she lives with her brood from 3 to 21 in Gloucestershire in two terraced houses. She was first knocked up at the age of 15. It's ridiculous. 
Anyway, so they're launching an investigation. All these people, all this crap that you hear from people, oh, I'm very poor, I've got to buy from shoplifters. Shoplifters go out. You know, as far as I can say, cut their bloody hands off. I'd soon stop it, wouldn't it? I love the idea as well. I'm fascinated by this this Roma couple. How, lo- how dumb do you think the police are over there? Here are two people, quite clearly, of Mediterranean appearance, and a little white blonde girl. Hello? Are you blind? Are you quite blind? You know, there must be loads of these little kids, quite clearly nicked by this family. They're now claiming, we didn't do her any harm, we bought her. The mother gave, well, what a load of old cobblers, honestly. The stuff that they come up with. She has no DNA to them, because she's not their child. You know, she could have been nicked from a pram. Ben Needham could have been nicked. Madeline McCann could have been nicked to order. Although a little bit old, I should imagine, if they're trying to sort of groom them into dancing for tourists and stuff like that. She's five years old. They reckon they had her at two weeks old. Well, who in God's name is going to know? My child was snatched. Is that her? You'll have to do a DNA test. And as there's something like 8,000 people have come forward, um, you know, they're going to have to do a lot of DNA to find out whose child she is. But she's quite clearly not theirs, this thieving pair. As far as I'm concerned, this is, this is the worst possible crime that there could ever be. At the camp as well, they found phones, knives, cannabis pipes, a pen gun, drugs, laptops, because they thieve. That's what they do for a living. They thieve. So they're now going through the whole camp. See how many other bloody children they've nicked. It's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? And, and, they, and then they stand outside of court and somebody says, they looked after this child as if it was their own. But the trouble is, it wasn't their own. How would it be if we all went out there and started nicking children like this Roma couple? They're child snatchers. They're ch- they thieve children. That's what they do. That's what they do. There's no, no decent way around it. We never did her any harm. You thieved her. It's as simple as that. It's absolutely ludicrous. It really is. Things that go on. Uh, Waitrose Earl Grey's excellent. <coughs> Excuse me, says Jonathan. Dreadful cough. So you'd think I'd smoke about 500 cigarettes, wouldn't you? But I don't smoke. Thank goodness. All the other vices. It's interesting hearing about your drinking habits. I often suspected that people who listen to overnight radio had quite a number of little habits that they were harbouring, and one of them being drink, I should imagine. Um... Yeah, I, I don't find Twining's floral. I don't know why people say Twining's is floral. I don't know why people say that. I don't find it floral at all. I just find it a very, very, a very, very nice tea. A very, very nice tea. Uh, somebody coming up with a story that we ran more than a week and a half ago now that Brian Bellow has got himself a million pounds about, they think, because uh, Towie was his kind of invention. He'd already made a pilot. With, I think, a couple of... Oh, tummy going. Uh, with a couple of people from The Only Way is Essex, and then somebody else saw it and thought, that's a good idea for a show, isn't it? The Only Way is Essex. But then you look at them, and now, unfortunately, on The Only Way is Essex, they look so old and haggard. You know, nobody's interested in Chloe Sims. Nobody's interested in that ghastly old pair of baggages, the Fahir's sisters. Nobody's interested in drippy old Lucy Mecklenburg. Nobody's interested in Camp as a Christmas Tree, Josephine Essex. Nobody's interested in any of these people. You know, find some other people. Find somebody interesting. The only way is Dollis... No, I can't think of anywhere. Where could you set another... They've already done Geordie Shore, and that's done the people of Newcastle no favours whatsoever, because most people in the country now think all the girls are as easy... Sorry, what am I saying? The girls in Newcastle are easy. Hello? I can't believe I've just said that. It's so true. And uh, the only way is Devon. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Just think of something different, not these same over-made-up people. Just do, just do people who do something. Because until The Only Way is Essex came along, I began to wonder what all these people on there did for a living. And the answer is it appears that they actually didn't do anything. They just sort of materialised. They came down in a cloud of, of fairy dust. 
And then they sort of appeared, and you think, but what were you doing for work beforehand? Just sort of middle 20s. Were you just sort of going around and hanging around in sugar huts? I mean, I've been to Brentwood loads of times. I used to live in Brentwood. I didn't see anybody who looked like that at all. It's now turned into some sort of offshoot of, uh, of Amsterdam. Quite ghastly, I'm afraid. Amsterdam after midnight, of course. It's LBC, 97 point. I'm in such a good mood. I like it when I'm in a good mood on a Tuesday, because if I was in a bad mood, you'd know about it. It's LBC, 97.3. I'm Steve Allen. It's 4.30. LBC, 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I've just been browsing through, as one does, the uh, Diabetes UK Christmas catalogue, deciding which is going to be the Steve Allen Christmas card of the year. And, and then they've got gifts as well at the end, and I quite like it. One of, it's a doormat. It's one of those coir mats you have outside. Very hard-wearing, they say, and it's only twelve ninety nine. And it says on it, a lovely lady and a grumpy old man live here. I quite like that idea. I think mine should just, just cut off the lovely lady. Otherwise, I'd just put Lynn and, and, a, and a grumpy old man live here. I like that idea. But I was, looking, I was looking through it and sort of thinking, you know, what sort of gifts would you want to buy? And they've got a whole page devoted to jigsaws. The worst thing you could ever give anybody for Christmas. Would you like a jigsaw? No, thank you. This one here, you can either have Christmas Holiday, Butterfly Garden, Shepherd's Cottage, Cats Galore, or Life in the Country. Oh, there's a train as well, which is lovely. And they're ten ninety nine, and they're a 1,000 pieces. Get a life. Have you ever heard of anything like that, doing jigsaws? I mean, I know sometimes it's a bit therapeutic. You know, you see people sitting there. I mean, I used to go part... My... Uh, one of our, our friends, years and years ago, used to do jigsaw. I used to take great delight in going past and just knocking the board on the floor. You know, I know it's, I know it's cruel, but to be honest with you, provided me with entertainment. Do I sound like I care about things like that? People doing jigsaws, or doing a jigsaw. What is it? I don't know, I haven't finished it yet. You sit there and go, oh, that piece doesn't fit there. You can apparently, even worse, you can have a photograph of yourself turned into a jigsaw. You just send it off to a company and they'll just sort of press it out on their, their jigsaw-making machine. Can't think of anything worse on that one, either. Never mind. I remember, says Ian, when Aid Edmondson was at the vanguard of the whole alternative comedy wave. Dangerous and subversive. Now he seems a bit twee, cooking in MasterChef and driving around the Dales. And they all do it. Well, it was like the John Lydon thing, wasn't it? Advertising butter. How sad and depressing was that? I, I boycotted it purely on the strength of the fact it was him, I think. Um, I went berserk and bought loads of Lady Grey tea. Says Paul in Highgate, which is uh, quite nice. See, Lady Grey is, is... Oh, you did buy quite a bit, didn't you? The trouble is, check the sell-bys. Check the sell-bys. I've got a tin of uh, bergamot tea in the cupboard, and I can't find a sell-by date on the blooming thing. But I have a horrible feeling it's been there for about the past four years, when the producer used to buy me interesting presents for Christmas. Because I'm difficult to buy for for Christmas. There's nothing I need. If I want anything, I go and buy it myself. So I'm, I'm just not, not very good at Christmas presents. I'm good for buying for people. When I took the car in for the service yesterday, and uh, and they, they always laugh. They always, we all stand around my boot, which is open. Of course, in it, it's got one of those remote helicopters. And this one's luminous. And it's got all sorts of, you know, chocolate, bags of chocolate money. And uh, I gave them a stolen cake yesterday. It was like a stolen cake. It was very, very similar. Very dense, but really lovely with a cup of tea. And uh, what else did I give them? I gave them some chocolates as well. Keeps them busy. means that they'll, they'll do the car nicely. So I'm having the alloys refurbed. Refurbed. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Refurbed alloys. Because apparently they do get, not rusty, but they, they go a little bit manky occasionally at times. So what you'd have, they, they take all the wheels off the car, which is lovely, and then they move them around, which is very good as well. Because uh, then you don't get the wear on the same thing. 
and uh, and then they they sort of take them off, and then they file them down or sand them down. And then they they repaint them again. So I can't wait. Actually, I, I I can't wait to get refurbed alloys. That's my idea of bliss. I don't ask for a lot in life, you know, just a little bit of warmth, a little bit of a hot shower in the morning, I like a hot shower in the morning. I had a nice hot shower this morning, and then looked outside at the weather and thought, God, it's going to be one of those miserable, blooming days, isn't it? Still going on about spiders in the paper. You know, these, uh, these killer spiders are in the country. I've now, because there's loads of, as we go into winter, autumnal winter, there's loads of spiders' webs everywhere. You know, up until now, you don't see them. I think they, they're on holiday or something in the south of France or the Algarve. And I think they all come back at winter, because I must have seen about 20 spiders' webs this morning, because you see them with the early morning dew, and it's, and it's lovely. It's absolutely lovely. I mean, I look at them and unfortunately they have to go. And I have one of those uh, things. It's like a feather duster type thing, which is specifically for outside. And you can pick up spider's webs because there's nothing worse than walking through a spider's web. Because they're they're so light, they spin them all over the place. Anyway, it's Prince George's christening tomorrow, Noreen tells me. William and Catherine certainly doing things their way. Small event. They're getting it. She says, I'm still going for Pippa, Lady Sarah Chateau, Mr. Van Cutsum and a friend of Catherine for godparents and maybe a European prince or princess. Somebody said, it's ever so funny, I was only reminded of it the other day, that we're apparently doing business with Saudi. And they think he's sending Prince William over there. And he's going, I'm Prince William. And, uh, and the man who runs Saudi going, well, I'm, I'm Prince so-and-so and my brother's Prince so-and-so and he's a prince over there. The dog's a prince. They've got more princes over there you can shake a stick at. And we send over poor old William. It looks uncomfortable at the best of times. Iceland programme was OK. The Bake Off final tonight. Some of the cakes they make are incredible, says Noreen. I like watching people doing that, but frankly, they've now turned it into, you know, a bun fight and uh, the finalist fury and all that. I couldn't give a stuff about any of these people. They're attention-seeking little show-offs, as far as I'm concerned, so they can bake a cake. <laughs> Big deal. Big deal, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, 84850, uk. John says, even though she got paid in full for her X Factor USA contract last year for doing about 10 minutes' work, do you not think Cheryl Cole committed professional suicide the moment she decided to sue Simon Cowell for the loss of future earnings by not doing this year's show? She didn't fit in. Well, no, I mean, she, the, the, the problem with, with Cheryl Cole was, and I've said it a million times, and it's a great line, I nicked it from somebody else, that she is living proof of how far you can go in a career based on looks and no talent. The only talent she had is that she was in Girls Aloud. They're all way too old to be doing it. I mean, Sarah Harding's still flogging a dead horse by thinking she's going to go back into the charts again. Nobody's interested. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. They just, they just don't care about Girls Aloud. They obviously didn't like each other on tour. They all think they're bigger than the, uh, than the other ones. It's just a little bit sad. What she did, and it wasn't professional suicide to sue Simon Cowell, though I shouldn't imagine, you know, it did her any favours. And it's great. She has some money. She's got no work. She doesn't appear to have any friends. You know, the little dancer, who, frankly, she must have been paying for, because dancers are nothing. They hardly ever work dancers. They occasionally get a video. She met him in a video and uh, decided, you know, I'll have that, send that one to my room. I'll have that one over there. And so she flew him around the world, because he can't have any money. He's a dancer. Dancers don't make money. I know loads of dancers. They tell you, they survive. It's ha- a good, good for them coming up. You've got pantomime. But they earn nothing. They really earn nothing. It's great, great shame because they work and they are the uh, the icing on the cake. We've got the Royal Variety Show coming up and the dancers will work blooming hard in that. They really will. And they won't earn anything. It's a shame. But anyway, I mean, she didn't fit in. In America, they didn't have the faintest idea what, what she was talking about. And also, she's got no track record. You know, being in Girls Aloud was no qualification for sitting there pontificating on other people's talent and listening to that 
ghastly Geordie accent. I mean, dear God, was there ever an accent designed to completely annihilate the English language? I mean, she obviously likes money. And it's great. She's got it. But at what expense? She'll be bringing out an autobiography or something or droning on about her peculiar family. Half of which don't even bear mentioning on this programme. But uh, John says Cowell did her a huge favour by not exposing her to US television as she wouldn't be their cup of tea. Well, she tried it. And they just went, no, she's useless. She's I mean, useless. She was pretty useless over here. So the best thing she gets now is getting her teeth white. I mean, you know, if they did a documentary, it would be even more boring than Peter Andre. And they didn't get any more boring than Peter Andre. Peter Andre going out, standing on a beach, and, oh, with a, with a lot of people around him. Why? Because he was there with a film crew. You could stand in the middle of Leicester Square in about ten minutes' time with a film crew, and you would attract a crowd. People standing behind you going, ah, woo, like they do on all the newscasts. I remember that one years ago. We had a very famous piece on LBC, and it was... <laughs> I can't remember the reporter's name, but I can picture it in my mind. And uh, she was off doing a, a piece. And what they used to do then, they would send the reporter out. In this particular case, I think she was, uh, she was up north somewhere. She'd been sent up north to cover this story, and then she would file. She would phone our master control and say, Hi, it's uh, Heather Bramwell, or whoever it is. And I'm going to finally go, OK, hang on. Record and play. OK, Heather. And she'd go... Coming to you in three, two, one. Down here in, or up here in Somerset, or wherever it happens to be, blah, blah, blah. And they would do their report, and then they'd sign off, and then the master control would cut the interview and give it to the relevant programme. In this particular case, we didn't have mobile phones. We, ha- we used to have a thing called a Comrex. And a Comrex was where you could... It was like, um, it was like a little connecting thing. You unsc- it was a bit like James Bond. You unscrewed the receiver... The, uh, the speaking piece in a, in a telephone, and you connected up two little crocodile clips into the back of it so you could transmit down the, the telephone line. Sounds a bit... does sound like James Bond, doesn't it? Anyway, in this particular instance, she couldn't find a phone box that was working. It was all... So she went into a local shop, and she says to the bloke, can I borrow your phone? And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she's phoning from this shop, and she gets a minute into her little piece, going, so when, the, when the bloke goes, are you going to be much longer? And so she goes, I'm filing the report now. So she has to start again. Three, two, one. She gets a minute and a half in, and again you can hear this bloke's voice in the back, how much longer are you going to be? <laughs> Three times this happens. Three times. She's, she's getting halfway, and she goes, I'm trying to finish this thing. Okay, be finished in a minute. In the end she turns round and she screams at him, why don't you just off? And then the phone line went dead. That was the last we heard. It was so funny. It was so funny. At the time, she'd lost it. And I remember watching a reporter on the television, and they used to run it, I think, in all those great Dennis Norden programmes. And he was standing there outside the Old Bailey going, signing off, doing a sign. This is, you know, witchetty grub here. Standing outside the Old Bailey, wet, very wet, really, really hacked off. And that was his piece. And then somebody else was reporting. And behind them was somebody jumping up and down, hi, Mum, hi, Mum, like they do. They used to do it behind John McCrick. Luckily, he's not on television anymore. And, uh, and he'd tell me, go, will you go? Just, just go away. And that's why, every time you watch the Peter Andre programme, of course, you know, Peter Andre pulls onto council estate and gets out to sort of, you know, brush some dust off the number plate or something like that with the film crew and immediately surrounded by kids on bikes who are trying to nick the car. And, and you look at him and you sort of think to yourself, 
Oh, God, that's why the programme was dull. There was nothing There was nothing taking place on the programme that, you know, you and I didn't do more of. All he did was get up in the morning, flap around the house, you know, speak to the housekeeper, because obviously Pete can't do anything for himself. And, because uh, let's face it, if Toss Toss isn't living there, he's by himself. Unless there are people who live there just for the purposes of the filming. Because, you know, he's rattling around in a house like that. You know, the kids aren't with him all the time, but they're with him for the filming. I hope they've actually got a good agent. I really hope they have a very good agent so they get money because they've been on the television long enough now. If he hasn't put money aside for them, I'll give you a lawyer, kids. Okay, I can find you a good one. And so you get Peter doing that, and then Peter goes and rehearses for a show, but of course he doesn't do that many shows. And then Peter Peter goes for another fitting, and then Peter goes on a bike ride, and then Peter... It's just boring. The producer here does more. You know, you could, and we'll we'll make a film and show you uh, of him uh, of him doing more. Well, that's the idea, anyway. Um, eight four eight five zero Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. Uh, Steve, I've just finished my junior in Glasgow. Just finished chemo and radiotherapy today. No more until January, if needed. I'm tired but happy. You've kept me going over the last ten days. I'm back to stable remission. He said, uh, "I just heard you talk about a guy who's had his teeth done and looks like a muppet." I've just seen him online, Ryland Clark. Steve, if a dentist did that to me, I would sue. He looks very freaky. And he paid. He paid. Yes, he did. He looks ridiculous. He looks absolutely ridiculous. But there again, I mean, I'm, I'm not even aware he's still got a career. I thought it, it, I thought it had just about finished for him as well. Zoe Wanamaker's uh, complaining. What's she complaining about? Tell you after this. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. So Zoe Wanamaker, lovely Zoe, has blasted the scarcity of good parts for older women actresses. Now, this is a very, very old story. This has been going on since time immemorial. I can remember talking about this more than 25 years ago. I've spoken to actresses before who say when you get to a certain age, there aren't enough parts on the television for older actresses. And she's probably right. I mean, she actually has called for more meaty roles for mature women. And the truth of the matter is... They make more money out of reality shows now. What, you know, occasionally you get a Downton Abbey. Occasionally you get a Downton Abbey. But they're very few and far between, these programmes. They make them, but they're very, very expensive. You look at the, the crew, you look at the credits on Downton Abbey. It's like the world is on there, like the whole of equity. It's fantastic. So that's why. There aren't really... And they're also, they're not writing that much new sitcom stuff nowadays. People tend not to write it, because if it doesn't work, they've wasted all that money. So they make a few pilots... And it's difficult because, you know, when you get to, to Zoe's age... I mean, well, Julie Walters, for example, is 63. Now, she seems to never stop. She's in the, the latest uh, Paul Potts movie with James Corden. Helen Mirren is 68, never stops. Never stops. Samantha Bond is 51. So I don't class that as old at all, I'm afraid. And Zoe Wanamaker is 64. Um, despite just about uh, getting ready to appear in a Poirot... Zoe said, it's difficult to get work as I age, but it's always thus. Even Shakespeare stopped writing about women while his men aged. Yes, I mean, it's, it's, it is difficult, but it's the same for a lot of other people. I remember um, people, there was a woman in the paper the other day, I think she was writing in the mail, saying she'd got to 50 and she'd been made redundant. And she didn't, nobody wants a 50-year-old. Nobody wants a 50-year-old. And so, consequently, she was saying, I'm now on the scrap people. I thought, well, not really. Not really. There was one particular... Was it McDonald's? You know, if you really want to go and work there. But they, they were actually hiring people of a certain age because they were more reliable. If you go to Marks and Spencer's at Waterloo, there's quite a number of elderly people working on the tills. 
You know they're elderly because when they say, do you want a bag, and you go, no, thank you, they put the things in a bag for you. And I've given up saying anything. It's the same bloke. He's got the bags on his hand every day. And uh, he said, do you want a bag? No, thank you. So he takes the bag off. So the, I think is it, perhaps, he's, perhaps he's not lip reading very well. Perhaps I'll enunciate better. Enunciate, which is better. Uh, and somebody says, why do Costco insist on searching your shopping bags when you leave? Makes you feel like a shoplifter. Well, probably in your case, you are shoplifting from there. It's not, to, it's not for your benefit. But obviously you're not intelligent enough to realise that. Uh, it's done to make sure that they haven't made a mistake on the tills. And they don't search your bags because you push everything out in a trolley. And they count the items. On your till receipt, it's got how many items you've purchased. 13. So if they count in your trolley, and there's only 10, they want to know where the other three have gone to. Or failing that, if it's got 13 on the till receipt, and you've got 15 items, two haven't been put through. So it's, it's, not, it's nothing to do with you. Mind your own business. It's to protect them, to make sure that they've not overcharged you for something. Some people are just so dumb. How can they not see that? I don't understand it. But as I say, if it was you in front of me, I'd have you strip search straight away because I reckon you would be shoplifting. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Top chef Raymond Blanc has given tonight's Great British Bake Off finalists a roasting whilst appearing to reveal the winner. Because they've obviously filmed it, haven't they? I'm assuming it's been, it's been done. And uh, the 63-year-old... See, why does it make any difference how old he is? 60, who cares? Even though he still talks like this. You know, we don't... Uh, don't. Why don't people lose their accents after a while? I, think, I find it fascinating. Anyway, he says that they've displayed few skills and cried too much. Well, they're show-offs, aren't they? They're show-offs. And in an apparent spoiler, he added, the winner seemed to be much of a lightweight to be convincing as a top-flight baker. He wrote on Twitter, the great British bake-off, not so... Not much skills, female tears, and a winner so thin who makes me doubt of her love for great cooking and baking. Oh, well... So, anyway, show bosses rushed to deny Blanc knew who the winner was and stressed that he'd been given no access to preview tapes. So it's been filming. So is it, is it Ruby who's won? I mean, to be honest with you, I don't even know who the people are in it. I'm looking at a picture of somebody, and if they're saying thin, well, two of them aren't thin, and one of them is. So perhaps, he, perhaps somebody said to him, oh, you know, Ruby wins, or something like that. So now they're saying he's not been given access to preview tape. Why can't they do things live? Why do, why do they have to pre-record things? God, I've just realised I've probably given away who it is. But there again, there's three of them, so it's a three-to-one shot. But it's a thin one. But then he might be making it up. You'll never know. Till you watch the programme tonight. I couldn't care less. Makes no difference. I remember somebody writing it to me once. I, I revealed a storyline in Coronation Street... Because you know that they're, they're getting rid of a couple more characters in EastEnders. I revealed a storyline in Coronation Street years ago, and some poor bloke wrote in, you've just ruined, you know, the end of the series for a lot of people. I thought, no, you're talking for yourself. You're talking for yourself. And, and uh, anyway, it had been in all the papers anyway. You can't actually ruin the end of a TV programme by revealing, you know, it's like sort of saying Titanic. Mm, wonder what happens at the end of that one. Oh, couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. Uh, apparently, Dean says, Clinton's cards in Braintree sell Peter Andre's calendar. Would you like me to send you one? No, I've, I've got full use of my own socks, thank you very much indeed. Peter's using a sock this year, I believe, proving what we said all the time. He's a little bit, um, not much downstairs. Not much downstairs. Uh, Steve, I've moved to a South Oxfordshire village last week and I've just found that the Kerry Coke toner is renting there. Must be a snort after location. It's an old gag, but it's a goodie and worth using on the programme. Because as we pointed out yesterday, she won't be buying anywhere. She'll only be renting because she's been declared bankrupt and you can't get a mortgage. Also, nobody would trust her anyway. Uh, Steve in Tesco, they have girls dressed as lollipop ladies with here to help written on a big yellow lollipop. What help would you need in a supermarket? Could you not find your way around? I don't know. Is it, why, you know, here to help. Excuse me, can you tell me where the... Um, 
where sort of the, the rice is. On the, yeah, it's down there. I like it in Waitrose, because if you ask, they take you to where it is. Or it's another soup because they go, oh. I remember asking somebody once, what did I ask somebody? What? Come on. If somebody went, um, um, oh, I don't know. You think, well, what are you doing here? Ridiculous. Kevin the Milkman says, you could have the only way Swansea, where men are men and the sheep are nervous. I know, I know, it's an old gag, but a good one. The only way is silly, from the silly isle, says Phil. That could be a good one, actually. And uh, it took me just six weeks to do a jigsaw in the summer, Steve, which was excellent, as the box said, three to five years. It's an old one, but it's a goodie. The only way is Harlow. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. The only way is Scouse. Yes. The only way is Peckham. That could be quite funny, actually. That could be quite funny. <laughs> Steve, the programme is called Shoplifters and Proud. What a bunch of low lies. Well, of course, listen, if you make a programme about those sort of people, they think it's all very clever, don't they? They shoplift. And that's fantastic. You know, if, if people want to do things like that, that's great. I've never done it. Wouldn't be remotely interested. I pay my way. I realise there's probably a few drunks listening at the moment. You go, oh, I shoplifted everywhere. And you think, I couldn't care less, actually. As long as they catch you and hang you, I'm, I'm fairly OK with that. Fairly okay with that. Uh, Chris in Essex still likes Helen Mirren, even at 68, which is lovely. And uh, Jonathan, he says, I've had my uh, Bentley wheels 18 months ago, full refurb and powder coat, 350 quid. Yeah, it's about 350. About 350. For five. Oh, why five? Oh, the one in the boots, you mean, as well. Oh, no, that's fine. One of the boots, perfect. So, uh, so for, yeah, the 350 is about what I pay. 350, 400 pounds, I think, something like that. And uh, mine aren't flaking. I've just, I've just rimmed a few. I've curbed a few of them. I've just curbed a few of these, uh, of these wheels, which doesn't look very good. It, it, it still looks fine when they're clean and everything else. But I just can't wait to take it in for a bit of a, bit of a car wash this week, which I'm looking forward to doing. Because it, it'll come back nicely done. Nicely done. They'll, they'll, they'll clean it and polish it, and the interior will be lovely and gleaming. But I've got black carpets inside. And if it's a wet, miserable day, the carpets get they get so dirty, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just odd about dirt. Isn't it funny? I've, I've become really odd. Oh, my God, that's a nice picture. This is, this is a great picture. You'll love it in all the papers today. And it was taken in uh, Cranbrook in Devon uh, on the A30. And it says, how many men does it take to change a traffic light bulb? And here they are, and it takes seven. Six to stand around and one to actually go up the set of ladders. <laughs> seven people to change a light bulb. Uh, Carl Baker took this uh, this snap and had to post it. I think on on Facebook. It's very funny, isn't it? I love stuff like that. And also, they've been they've been chasing kids up for booze. This is in Burnley in Lancashire. Have you ever been to Burnley in Lancashire? It's the booze capital, apparently. That's what they say. A lot of drunks all over the place. Anyway, so what they've done is they've taken this huge haul of booze, two hundred and eighty liters. They've confiscated some from kids as young as eight years old. Eight years old were actually getting hold of booze. And what do they do? They get their friends to go and buy it in the corner shops. I've been into corner shops before, and you see sometimes kids hang around and say, Excuse me, mister. Excuse me, mister. Yeah, can you get me 20 fags? No, I can't. Can you get me a bottle of vodka? No, I can't. I'm terribly sorry. I'm terribly sorry. It doesn't work like that. I have no intention of buying. Can you imagine? Buying drinks and buying fags. As young as eight years old. I want to know where, where they get the money from. Shoplifting, I should imagine. Shoplifting. Uh, Jeanette has just got back from a few days in Broadstairs. Actually, uh, Lenny at uh, Waterloo Station, he goes to Broadstairs. He likes it. 
very much. Ate out a lot and thought about the profit in a box of tea bags when you have a cuppa. I worked it out. A box of 60 tea bags makes the shop in the region of 80 to 120 pounds. That's one pound seventy to two quid a cuppa. Better than selling handbags in Regent Street. Oh, yes, there's a lot of profit. But what you have to take into consideration is you've got to put milk, sugar. Somebody's got to wash the cup up and the saucer. And uh, you can't really reuse the tea. Well, you could, if I was doing I'd reuse the tea bag. It comes in a little pot. But I, I, don't, see, I don't mind paying two quid for a, a cup of tea. I know it sounds ridiculous. <coughs> but that's what you pay now. Even in a, even in a calf. You pay about a quid for a cup of tea. It's only an old cheap tea bag. They, they're buying them in bulk, remember. They're not buying the prices we're buying. So they're doing really, really well. And, and they make the profit. But also you're sitting at the table. So you're taking up, taking up space. So there's all sorts of other things. It, it's still not bad. You're quite right. It's Trafalgar Day today, apparently. Is it Trafalgar Day? We shall find, the producer will find out about that. If it is, we shall celebrate on the programme with Trafalgar Day. Must be something to do with, uh, with history, mustn't it? Um... Uh, 84850, thank you, Graham. I totally agree with you, actually. He says, thank you for keeping a smile on my face while I've not been well recently. I seem to attract a lot of ill people. My friend Ben, who works up at the garage where they look after the car, and he will be cleaning it in a few days' time, he was sitting yesterday feeling very sorry for himself because he's got a cold. And he's like most men, when they get a cold, can't do anything, can't he feel, they don't come to the, oh, I've got lurgy. And I went, that's okay, I've had a flu jam. He wasn't that. And I said, just an injection you get, and it wards off flu. I said, why don't you go and have one? You get one at the doctor's or you can go to the, the chemist. You know, they'll do it for you. And, of course, he wouldn't do it um, for the simple reason that uh, he doesn't like injections. He's terrified of needles. And I said, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't, well, a tiny bit. I mean, ridiculous to say it's not going to hurt. It does hurt a little bit. 84850, uk. Uh, yes, Susan, I did see... The Scylla Black on the panel when Kerry Katona's house turned up. and But, of course, Scylla Black did so. It can't be Kerry Katona's house. They must have told her. Because otherwise, why would you just pl- pluck Kerry Katona's name from, from out of thin air? And um, somebody says, it can't be hers. So that's what Scylla said. Because she's declared herself bankrupt. And, of course, she only ever rented. She only ever rented. She had that house up north. The moment she declared bankrupt, that's it. No more mortgages, I'm afraid. So it was, it was a rented house. A rented house. I don't know how she's allowed to do that, but I suppose it keeps her on the television, gives her a, a fee, what, whatever the fee would be. Uh, 84850, uk. I wonder if I was right on who, who's won the Great British Bake Off. I'm waiting with a backlash. Any minute now, somebody phoning up will be saying, disgraceful, you've given away the ending. Well, kind of tough, isn't it? I don't make the programme, and I couldn't care less. News at five is next. <laughs> LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Tuesday. The producer, I just go next door, just sort of check that he's still alive. And, and he's, he, he takes out of his pocket and he goes, packet of crisps. And he's got the folded, it's, it's an empty packet of crisps. And he's got, it's folded little bit meticulously, as far as I'm concerned. It's obviously sort of smacking of some sort of illness that he's got. And then he goes, smoky bacon. And I said, no, it's not. And he goes, it's smoky bacon. And then we had this discussion when I was explaining to him how they make flavoured crisps. And he thought it actually involved bacon, which I thought was quite funny, actually, for smoky bacon that is smoked. And, and I said, no. 
Uh, I said, sadly, it's not. I said, what they do, they all come out plain. They make them. They don't make them individually. And they make millions and tons of them. It slices them. It deep fries them. Then they come out. Then they air blow them. And so they dry off a little bit and get rid of some of the fat in there. OK, to give you a clue, it's a potato deep fried. And then a little machine goes sprinkly, sprinkly, sprinkly. And they go, and these are smoky bacon today. Today we're making smoky bacon, and tomorrow it could be salt and vinegar. And I said, because I've seen them being made on the table. Well, he got, he got quite, quite depressed about the whole thing, about sort of ruining his idea. He, he thought they actually got bacon and sliced it and then, then grilled it and then sort of waved it over. How he thought it got into the packet, I've got no idea. I used to like crisps years ago. Not anymore. Never since, never since, ever since I opened up and went, sorry, you're charging how much for that? It's not even a whole potato. Not even a whole potato. I remember once I worked in a, in a nightclub and they filmed a crisp advert. And the advert featured a lot of people dancing on the floor, la, 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 like that. And they were all dancing to no music. It's a bit like The Only Wears Essex. When they go in a nightclub and they're all dancing around, they're dancing to nothing. The soundtrack is put on afterwards because otherwise you wouldn't hear the characters talking. So that's what they do. Anyway, so they're doing this thing and they were doing, I think it was Smith's Crisps. And they had boxes and boxes and boxes because they had to open them to find a big crisp in each one. So that when the girl was dance, 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 open the crisp packet and then take out this huge crisp, as opposed to, you know, the ones you pick up, they're all mashed together, aren't they? They're all sort of crumbly and you enter the packet into your mouth. I thought I'd mention that, actually, because it's made me feel quite hungry this morning. Anyway, anyway, it's Tuesday morning in London town and I hope you are uh, well. I hope life is good to you at the moment. You're looking forward to Christmas. It's not that far away. I'm here on Christmas Day between 7 and 10. So it's actually it's just the right time because what I'm going to be doing this year is the same as I've done previous years. I'm going to be sorting out your Christmas woes. And that'll be the usual thing. Have you defrosted the turkey? There's no point in waking up Christmas morning and taking your bird out the freezer and <laughs> make up your own jokes and, uh, and hoping it's going to defrost by lunchtime because it's not. It's absolutely not. You'll end up filling the bath up with hot water and soaking it in there. So remember to take your bird out the freezer. Again, make up your own jokes. The night before, so it's defrosted properly. Do remember as well, take out the giblets. There'll be a little plastic bag in there with things in that you don't... My mother, twice, two years on the trot, two years on the trot, actually left the giblets in. And we go to carve the turkey. My, my, my brother saying, the giblets are still in it. And she went... Because oh, my mother didn't drink. She was, well, I say she didn't drink. She would have one sherry a year at Christmas. And that was enough to send her completely round the barmy. And for Christmas, we always used to have the same. We had the turkey with the trimmings. Always traditional Christmas for us, never anything else. You know, we, and we've eaten out. Last year, our family, we ate out. And we've decided this year we're not going to eat at home. You know, because it's just as cheap to eat at home. I know it takes away the... And I've said before, I've been a big advocate of going out somewhere. But it's so blooming expensive to eat Christmas out. And you've got to book up so far in advance. I think Chris and Sharon have already booked the, the Christmas uh, restaurant for this year. So anyway, so this most years, my mother would do the Christmas pudding. She would make her own Christmas pudding. There was no, no buying anything. You know, she's one of those old people who, who baked... Those old-fashioned people who actually baked. I know lots of people now who still bake. So when they do it on the television, thin girl winning? I don't know. And, um, and so she was good. So she'd make two Christmas puddings every year. We'd have one and eat last year's. Sorry, she'd save one and eat last year's. So there was always enough puddings to go around. And she would do the sherry trifle. And my mother was very good at making a sherry. She would make it from scratch. She would make the custard. She would, you know whip the cream up, she'd get the... Fr she'd do everything. It was a proper trifle, and I can remember the bowl of it now. Unfortunately, my mother would be one of those people over Christmas. 
she'd be making the sherry trifle, a little nip at the same time. So occasionally they would <laughs> be in the sitting room watching television on sort of Christmas morning because uh, my mum had been up early to put the turkey in the oven and uh, some, some years it had been on a low heat all night so it would really be absolutely moist and lovely. And so we'd be sitting watching television. All of a sudden you'd hear from the kitchen... <laughs> like that. And we we'd sit there. We'd because it was the same it was it was routine most years. <laughs> and we'd go into the kitchen and my mother, who the sherry by this time had attacked her brain cells, would be kneeling in front of the cooker, the tears sobbing out of her with laughter. She would cry with laughter. Everything was funny. The whole thing. I'd say you can do the potatoes. <laughs> Couldn't manage anything at all. It was so funny, you know. And she said, "I'll be all right. I'll be all right." <laughs> she just collapsed. And I always said, "Listen, don't ever let her near the sherry, for God's sake." It was it was just hopeless. She'd be on her knees trying to sort of open the oven door to baste the potatoes and do all the rest of it. Very funny. So I used to love sherry trifles. So on Christmas Day this year, I'll be on just the right time for you to wake up. We can we can do Christmas wishes. I know I'm mentioning this, and we're not even in November. But I thought I'd mention it now, just so you can, you know, you can sort of make yourself aware of what's what's going to be happening on Christmas morning, whether you like it or not. And so I thought we might even, brace yourself, might take calls as well uh, on your Christmas woes and be all the usual sort of things. And, you know, if you've got loved ones abroad that you didn't send a card to and stuff like that, then we can do that. Or, you know, we'll just do Christmas wishes for everybody. We'll sort of, we'll bring the whole family in together for this one. So I'm expecting you Christmas morning. Put it in your diary. Make a note on the advent calendar, Steve Allen, Christmas morning, 7 till 10. I only mention it now in case it might slip your mind, and I might, of course, never mention it ever again. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, I wanted to tell you about my friend's daughter, says Karen. Uh, Georgina is a budding chef and currently works for a Michelin-star chef in Cornwall. Just been awarded the Observer Young Chef of the Year at the age of 19. She's such an inspiration. I'm very proud of her. She works hard and so deserves it. Many youngsters get bad press for being nothing but trouble, but she's proven there are some excellent and focused young people. So there you go. So, Georgina, well done. You've had your mention of your uh, Observer Young Chef of the Year. Even better. Even better. Uh, 84850. And uh, this one here. Jonathan says, I turned on television to see a woman crying, being supported by a friend. I thought, what disaster had occurred? A child kidnapped to death? A chance of singing stardom blown by a Miss High C? No, none of that. It was because a tart didn't come out right and she was off the show. I changed channels immediately. Yes, thin one. Uh, I don't care. Do you know what, to be honest with you, I really don't care. I don't care if people are watching this thing. Oh, I care. No, you don't. You sniff crisp packets. You're just odd. You're very, very peculiar. Uh, 84850. Malcolm says they've already done the only way is Blackpool. It's a 999 call with somebody saying, what's your emergency? Thank you. And uh, Dean says nobody can make a Christmas pudding as good as Prince Charles. Have you tried the Dutchy original? Well, I mean, it's the best one I ever had was uh, an Anton Mossiman. Christmas pudding. I, I held on to it for three years, and then I took it down to my brother's, and we had it, and it was, after three years, it was delicious. An Anton Mossiman Christmas pudding. The Heston Blumenthal ones are very good. I do like Heston Blumenthal. I don't care, you know, people get, oh, he's this, he's that. He's ever such a nice guy. You know, you meet a lot of people in this business, and believe you me, I meet a lot of people. And, uh, and he was just charming. He was so charming. They whizzed him about all over the building. He was doing interviews here, there and everywhere. Today we've got Stephen Merchant coming in because he's got a new series on Sky. 
at the moment, which is called Hello Ladies. Is it a dating programme kind of thing? It's a sitcom. Oh, right. Because I remember reading something about Stephen a short while ago that he was having, finding it incredibly difficult to find a lady. And at this time of year, coming up to the festive season, most people like a, a relationship, don't they? You know, if, if you're single, you're probably thinking, oh, whereas I'm, I'm thinking, what a bonus. What a bonus. You don't have to pay for a present for somebody. You don't have to send a Christmas card. You can be by yourself. You can, you can eat as many of those liqueur chocolates that you want. I discovered in Iceland a short while ago, don't they still do them? They were strawberries covered in chocolate. The only problem was the chocolate wasn't particularly great quality. So if ever you're thinking of doing that, that's a really good thing for Christmas. In fact, now you should be putting your apples away if you've got a little orchard thing or some trees going on. Apples wrapped in uh, brown paper or newspaper put out in the shed. We always used to do it. People used to plan. You know, we'd have things hanging up. It was a real great time in that great programme, the Victorian... uh, the Victorian, what was it, kitchen garden. And also there was this other couple who went back. There was a whole family, I think. They went back and started living, as they would have done in Victorian times. And for Christmas, they were planning everything. You know, you start doing it now, so by the time you actually get to Christmas, it's all done for you. And I loved it. I just thought things like that reminded me of my childhood in Yorkshire, when, you know, you'd go out and play in the snow, then you'd come in and you could smell Christmas lunch. Oh, it's delicious. The smell of turkey. Apologies to vegetarians, you know, who probably can't stand the smell of turkey, which must be a bit of a pain over the festive season. And it was just wonderful. The butcher's shops, you know, with the turkeys hanging up. I know Sandy's in in Twickenham. They have a queue that runs the length of the road for people who've ordered their Christmas turkeys. And Stuart and all the guys, they hand out mulled wine. I've never been lucky enough to get any mulled wine in there, but I'm, I'm hoping to. And uh, they, they sort of do pre... And it's festive. They do their Christmas lights. It's a, it's a festive shop. It's, if it didn't smell of fish, it'd be fine. <laughs> and also White Wellingtons. What's going on there? White Well, They've all got these blue things on. They're always... Everybody looks smart. They've got this fish. And I do look at it. I just can't... Can't kind of get off on the idea. I've, I've tried and it just doesn't work for me. Fish Fingers is about as far as I go and a bit of scampi. And occasionally some, uh, some place. But, uh, but I don't want to see it. At all, I'm afraid. Uh, Diana says, I was buying teas for my friend and I at the cafe on the jetty at my favourite place by the sea, Broadstairs. I watched the girl putting the milk in first in the mug. I had to say, stop, wrong! I had to tell her to put in the tea bag first, then the boiling water, then the milk. Oh, you can't put milk in first. How do you know how strong the tea is? Oh, no, it's like warming the pot. You know, when you're making a pot of tea at home, the, the old-fashioned days, now... People stick a tea bag in a cup. I stick a tea bag in a cup here. But in the early days, you would sort of, you know, you'd warm the pot, then you empty it out, and then you push your tea and you go, you know, if there were three of you having a cup of tea, three and then one for the pot. If it was proper leaf tea, then you've got to get out the tea strainer. Then you leave it to brew a little while. Oh, yeah, there's an art to making tea. It's not just sticking a tea bag in a cup. And also, never, ever milk first. That's just scandalous. Quarter past five. Morning, everybody. 5.20 is at the time. Apparently, Iceland chocolate cream eclairs are quite nice, which is very exciting. And uh, a lot of people talking about uh, crisps. Have you ever counted how many crisps there are in a packet? It's very disappointing. Front page of the uh, Mirror this morning is the uh, the woman, the world's most wanted woman. This is this uh, pathetic example. This is uh, Samantha Luthwaite, a suspect in the Nairobi Mall massacre. She was obviously a failure at school. Obviously a failure in her own personal life. And uh, so they've got pictures of her. Uh, a very strange picture of um, of a Queen look-alike. It's a very good Queen look-alike, actually. And, uh, and Prince William, a very, very good 
very good looky likey for Prince William. I mean, a very, very good looky. It's uh, they were taken by an artist called Alison Jackson. She does spoof reproductions. The baby is very good, and they've got William and Catherine in the bath. They're both very good looky likeys. Very good. Oh, I didn't tell you that that football we do discover the other day naked. It's uh, looky likey. It's, uh, it's, uh, I don't think anybody would be that brave to expose themselves to that. Here's the, uh, the terrorist inside the White Widow's warped secret world. A pathetic example of a human being, I'm afraid. Uh, and plus, they've got uh, more on the, uh, the Great British Bake Off. Thin girl wins. Um, tonight. And seven million of you, seven million households, will struggle to afford heating this winter. As yet another energy giant has hiked its prices. This is uh, the grim prediction from the Centre for Sustainable Energy, which comes after NPower have slapped their 3.1 million customers with a 10.4% rise. So the average dual fuel bill up £137 a year to nearly 1500 Dear God in heaven. I'm surprised people start panicking. Well, I'm not putting the heating on. In fact, I'm actually quite good. When a, when a bill comes in, and I've just had an EDF one, it's obviously estimated. And I, th- I can't remember, but it's four now, actually. It's £174. And they've said, you know, you can go and read your metre and then phone it in. And I was thinking, no, no, because if I, if I don't, then I'll be in credit. So I, you know, pay, pay, pay the money now. Because some people pay the minimum. I remember going in to pay a phone bill once, years ago, when I was with Orange. Not with Orange anymore. And, uh, and they said, do you want to pay all the phone bill? I said, as opposed to what? She said, well, you can pay, pay part of it. I thought, why would you want to do that? Why would you want to pay part of the phone bill? It's like paying, you know, part of your credit card. A friend of mine uh, in the business, he's in, he's in radio, he, he applied for a credit card the other day and he got turned down. And I said, why did you get turned down for a credit card? He, he just applied online. And he said, um, they, they wrote back and said, the reason that they wouldn't give me a credit card is because I've never had a credit card. So therefore, if you haven't got a, had a credit card, you've got no credit history. And if you don't have any credit history, they ain't going to give you a card, which means if you go to America, you can't rent a car, you can't do anything, because they want that card. That card says more about you. So I said, go to your bank. He's been with the bank since 97 or something like that. And, uh, and get the credit card through them. Don't bother writing off to any old bloke who comes from South End or something like that. Much better to actually go to your bank and get them to sort it out for you. Much, much better. Much better. Uh, 84850. Oh, Arthur says, how about the Welsh programme called The Only Way Is Glanfairbochwen... The other one that goes gogogog at the end. It's a railway station. They're so peculiar, the French. Welsh. French are peculiar too. (laughs) Oh, dear. I think you have to laugh, don't you? Uh, More on the Greek gypsy couple. In all the papers today, they found bullets and guns and drugs on this Roma site. And uh, the traveller's leader says he too was offered a girl of five. Good God, it's obviously quite common over there. So, obviously, children being offered around all over the place. Good place to start looking for for kids who've gone missing. Um, uh, The Doll Queen. This is Heather Scrounger Frost. Quiz by police after appeared on television paying shoplifters for stolen goods. It's marvellous, isn't it? You know, I've got any money, can't work, rakes in 60 grand a year. You're paying for it. She must be laughing. Must be laughing at you. Uh, The Gales, which are going to bat in Britain. Batter Britain. I don't think that's Gale out of Coronation Street. I think it's Gale as in... Terrible. The storm of the century. Torrential downpours. I've only brought me a little cheap umbrella in today. I don't want to get wet on the way home. Stephen Merchant, of course, is coming at the crack of... 8.30 he's got to start in this building today. They always come in, and if, if they can get lots of interviews out of people, they can. I think he's got five to do in the building today. And so we all get our allocated time. So I should be rushing around to get a cup of tea and, and everything else. And he's, um, he's mountainously tall. 
So he'll he'll be waking up any time soon going, how many interviews? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Uh, looking at the thin uh, person on the, uh, the Bake Off programme, and there's a spat gone on, but they do do it, don't they? I mean, the, uh, the woman, this is Ruby, who was infuriated by, oh, get over yourself, for goodness sake. Who are you? Just some person who cooks on the television. You're not even well known. The other two, Kimberly and Francis, um, you know, apparently Paul Hollywood has uh, had to say that there is, there is no romantic attraction with her and Ruby, who's uh, a philosophy and history of art student. Also very dreary, as far as I'm concerned. But the producer's watching it. I'm not watching it. I refuse to watch things like that. I'm, it's not that I'm not interested. It's just that I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less about the X Factor, either. Um, another one here. Oh, this is very interesting. This is uh, The End to Baldness, which I mentioned earlier on in the programme. And now you've got... I mean, for, what, for the, some inexplicable reason, the person that they highlight is Wayne Rooney. Because he spent a lot of money having somebody stick a shredded wheat on his head. And you look at it and you think to yourself, it's, it just doesn't look good. Why not just go bald? Now, nobody cares if you're bald. Nobody cares. I know that Sean Connery was known for wearing wigs because he's bald. And who else is a famous baldy? Bruce Forsyth, Paul Daniels, Christo, um, you know, and other people, and other people. Now, Christo, I believe, has had a little bit of a transplant. Which is uh, always quite interesting. I mean, I, you know, it's, you know, over the years, people have done it because men don't like to be seen to be bald. Whereas, I mean, I couldn't care. It doesn't make any difference at all. Makes no difference at all. Uh, one of the columnists in the Express today, you know, the fat bird who can't dance, uh, she's talking about Trini Waddell and her beau, Charles Saatchi, combined aged 119, clutching each other to stop themselves falling over after a dinner date is hardly an edifying sight. Even more shocking, however, is the former presenter of What Not to Wear's Choice of Undergarments. Everybody knows if you can stand the chill, it's fine to wear panties and no tights, but it's absolutely never acceptable to wear tights without panties. So there you go. What were you thinking of, Trini? says the fat bird, who shouldn't have been allowed anywhere near a dancing programme, but at least she used up half the uh, material in the garment industry for making a couple of little uh, frocks. Daily Mail today, foreigners using the NHS cost Britain up to £2 billion a year. So they're now thinking that they can bring in... I mean, to be honest with you, as far as I'm concerned, you know, if any of these hospital planes turn up, you know, people turn up here, what do they do? They turn up here specifically for the free treatment on the NHS, and it ranges for everything. Absolutely everything. And that's for heart surgery, for transplants, everything. They get on the plane ill and they deliberately come here and target the NHS because they get it for free. As far as I'm concerned, don't have a credit card? Well, you're going to die, aren't you? You pay for it. You pay for it with medical insurance. You go to America, you know, it's, you can very rarely walk into America without them checking that you've got medical insurance. They're not going to give you anything for free. Do you have a credit card? No, I don't. Well, you have to go and find somewhere else because they're not treating you here. But over here, £2 billion a year. That's 100 times more than they thought originally. And it's people turning up. We've had women turning up, just about to give birth, straight to a thing, and they just get all this free treatment. And you think, no, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. So the sooner the government uh, clamp down on that one, the better. I don't see there's any problem with there'll be some crackpot lawyer somewhere going, well, it's infringing their human rights. Boy, are we sick to death of infringing human rights. Apparently, if you, if you keep saying sorry, it makes you seem more trustworthy. You know, you say something, oh, sorry. That makes you a, a trustworthy person. I don't know how that works. 
I don't know how that works, but it does. To foreigners, it's uh, it's endearing, if not a little baffling. The ultra-polite British, you know, somebody bumps into you and you go, sorry. You should actually go, what do you, what do you bump into me for? But they don't. We actually say sorry. The stereotype of the continually apologetic Brit is out there. And it's alive and well. We apologise. I'm sorry, somebody walks in front of you. Excuse me. It's like I was telling you earlier on, Morrison's on Heath Road in Twickenham. This woman, there's a queue. It says queue from here. I know we're not very good at queuing, but uh, anyway, this woman just bypassed it completely. And everybody stands there like Muppets. Or somebody should have said, excuse me, the queue is here. The queue is here. Would you like to, would you like to come and stand in the queue? Or do you want to just want to be rude? And the woman behind the till, again, I've seen this in Waitrose. It says six items in your basket. Luckily, one of them, she did turn somebody away. Which, if I'd been there, I'd go, sorry, it's six items. Well, I've, I've only got ten. It says six. Okay? Go somewhere else. But no, they don't. And I'll put it through. Mealy mouth. I can't bear it. It's dreadful. 84850, uk. More from the papers coming up in a moment. It's LBC 97.3. It's Tuesday morning in London town. And it's the 22nd of October. We get ever nearer into the winter. And the gales are around the corner. The rain is here. It's just miserable. But it's typical autumn weather for this country. I don't know why we're surprised. You know, it was a bit surprised the other week when we got a bit of sunshine. Time now, 5.30. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's 26 minutes to 6. Tuesday morning. There's a very interesting story. The, the Mail always managed to find these ones, and it, it only appears in the Mail. I've been through the other papers and I can't find it. It's a couple uh, of staunchly religious beekeepers. OK, they're bee- beekeepers. They have refused to file their VAT returns online and have won a landmark battle with the taxman. Graham and Abigail Blackburn run a small business making honey and were told they had to follow the new guidelines on tax returns. Because that's what you do. You now file your VAT online. It's all done online. They, they, they now become paperless. I find it incredibly frustrating. But anyway, that's how they do it. Anyway, the couple refused because they're members of, wait for this, the Seventh-day Adventist church who shun modern technology. Do they? No idea. They said the internet is an intrusion of worldliness into their lives, of righteousness, and they should be exempt from the regulation which has been in place since April last year, and allowed to continue filing their returns on paper. However, the tax authorities claim the couple's decision to live without computers was really a personal preference and not part of their religion. This despite the website saying exemptions will be made if the business is run by practising members of a religious society whose beliefs prevent them from using computers. I've never heard of such a thing. So the Seventh-day Adventists don't use computers. Do they use mobile phones? Or do they shun everything? Have they got a toaster? That would be considered modern technology, wouldn't it, I suppose? Anyway, Mr Blackburn told the tribunal he and his wife, who run the Cornish Moorland Honey, renounced the use of computers, the internet, mobile phones and television. God, they sound boring. How do they send anything out, then? If they're shunning all this technology, how are they sending this stuff that they're using, presumably, lorries and cars to distribute their wares across the country? Anyway... He said the content of some TV programmes and websites were contrary to the Bible's teachings and he wanted to protect his children from bad influences. Oh, God, they'll rebel. Oh, they'll rebel, let me tell you. The more parents say don't do, the more, par- the more children want to do it. It's like, you can't have sweets. All right, where do I have sweets? Where are you getting sweets from? Getting them from school. 
Getting from school. The beekeeper added that people are obsessed with their mobile phones, treating them as idols. Well, I'm assuming that you were expecting people to be obsessed with your honey. How do people hear about your honey? Do you advertise your honey? Are you using the electronic media to advertise your honey? I don't know if they do, actually. Can we find them on the internet? Cornish Moorland Honey. Cornish Moorland Honey. Seeing as they, uh, you know, presumably they, they won't be on it. I'd be very surprised if they were. Moorland is spelled M-O-O-R-L-A-N-D. Honey. Cornish Moorland Honey. And uh, they might not be on there. Oh, dear. Oh, here they are. And uh, they are... Wait a minute. Cornish... More land. Honey. Here it is, £5.75. And it's by uh, Bodmin and Mr Blakely. It's a Mr Blackburn. Well, he's on the media, ladies and gentlemen. He's on the internet here and you can buy it. You can buy it online. You can buy it online. Product description... You know, uh, Cornish honey from Moorland flowers by the beekeepers at Clebe Farm in Bodmin. Available as either set or runny honey. They're on the internet. They're on the internet. They're actually selling their stuff on the internet. Well, somebody's selling their stuff on it. Well, isn't that disgraceful? That is absolutely disgraceful. I don't think... This is the Cornish Food Box Company who is selling their stuff. But it's being available. So, in other words, it's obviously... They've obviously got two two bits of a dilemma going on here. Cornish Mall and Honey, you can't move for. The beekeepers, they've got, uh, they've got pictures, they've got everything. Absolutely everything. £7.40. Cornish Mall and Honey, owned by... Mr. and Mrs. Blackburn. Here they are, on the internet. But I thought they shun that. They shun it. They renounce the use of computers, the internet, mobile phones and televisions. Quite clearly they don't. Here they are. Wait a minute. Here is their uh, Cornishmore Honey Beekeepers. And it tells you where they are. It tells you their address and postcode, their phone number. In fact, it tells you everything about them. They're on the internet. Having told us they shun the internet, here they are, advertising on it. So quite clearly, naughty, telling fibs. Here they are, very easy to find, very easy to find. It's interesting, isn't it? I love the way that people sort of say, oh, we, we shun this and we, we don't, you know, do this, and we don't do that. And yet, there they are, advertising on the internet. Uh, 84850, Steve, I'm an Adventist. We're not averse to using technology. Quite clearly not, but they do. They, they, they shun phones, everything, televisions. Surprised they're allowed to turn the kettle on, for goodness sake. Talking of tea, says Lynn, and I know you aren't keen on flavours, but raspberry and chilli tea not only smells lovely, but it's delicious and great for a tickly cough or a sore throat. Ooh. And then somebody else has said, do these honey people have a website? Well, not, but their, their products are sold online. Otherwise, how would you hear about them? How would you hear about it? But they don't have to file now. Actually, I'm convinced I've got to pay VAT this coming month. I'm sure it must be next month. It's all very confusing. Here's you have a look at the... Do have a look at the Daily Mail today and look at the, the pictures of the fake Queen and Prince William and Catherine because you'd never know that it wasn't them. You would look at these pictures. He's so good. He's even balding. He's even balding. The Queen looks like the Queen and... They've, I mean, it's, it's very clever. Although whether or not uh, William and Kate actually sit in the bath together with the child and play with a Lego helicopter, I don't, I don't see that myself. I personally don't see it. But they're very good looky Um Interestingly enough, that uh, picture of the 
the men changing a light bulb, six of them to stand around and one to do it, has made a lot of the papers today, which I find particularly funny, because I'm sure they're actually looking at something else. Uh, the mother of 11 on the £60,000 benefits. This is uh, the jobless mother, Heather Frost, who's never worked and is reputed to claim up to £60,000 a year. She's just another one of these people out there who, frankly, I don't know why we just don't take the money away. I use an army of shoplifters to survive. So, in other words, people go out and thieve, and then she gives them the money that we give her. I mean, she's an absolute disgrace. But, of course, being that kind of person, she couldn't care less what anybody thinks about her. She really is, uh, is not remote, remotely bothered. Really not remotely bothered. Uh, screened last Monday, uh, this programme featured her quest to move into a council-funded eco-home. She said, yes, it's my choice to have a large family, but there's no law to say how many children you can have. Well, as far as I'm concerned, if I was running the government, I'd take away your benefits immediately. I'd get you off your fat bum, and quite clearly you're eating the wrong food because you're a bit of a lardy, and I'd get you out there working, doing something, because you're a waste of space. I don't want to keep you for the rest of your life. Mind you, if, if things keep... I wish somebody would come and nick from you. I wish somebody had come round and steal your television and go, oh, we only nicked it to give it to somebody who was poorer than you. See how she likes it. Uh, Kay in East London says, what a farce, people hiding behind religion. Well, they've managed to convince the, uh, the tax office to, to go paperless, but the, but the paper, the, uh, the thing on HMRC's website says that if people don't, you know, have a... I've never heard of a religious reason for not using a computer. I know loads of religious people, I mean deeply religious people, and they've got computers and mobile phones. In fact, I don't think there's a vicar in the country who hasn't got a mobile phone. How do they keep in contact with everybody? They do it. But anyway, it makes no difference whether it's paper or they've done it, you know, on. It doesn't make any difference. Kevin the Milkman says, Surely if a third party can sell their honey on the internet, then a third party, like an accountant, can file their VOT online. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, actually, I hadn't thought of that one. <laughs> Jan is in Polpero. I always like the sound of Polpero. It all sounds a bit exciting, doesn't it? Polpero, which is in Cornwall. She says, looks, it's like what? You went this year to Polpero, did you? Shame you didn't stay. And uh, we might be in for a stormy coastal walk this morning. She says, I'm brilliant that we can pick you up so clearly. I like that. Jason in Beckton is an Adventist. He said we're not prevented from using the computer or anything. And quite clearly he's using a mobile phone to send his, uh, his text messages in. Why do people like flavoured teas? I'm sorry to mention it again, because Lynn mentioned it. We have a few people in the office who use flavoured tea. And I'm frank, I can't get used to it. I mean, it looks very pretty, but something smelling of blackcurrant is not a cup of tea, as far as I'm concerned. They don't have blackcurrant bushes out there. They sort of add it as an extra, don't they? As far as I'm concerned, it's just tea, and they make it, and then and we drink it. But all these flavoured teas, they're very posh teas out there, you know, mango and whatever it happens to be, or, you know, bergamot, and, the, oh, it's all, all sorts of strange things. Uh, here it is, Prince Andrew, who seems to have the, uh, the, uh, the, the magic formula. A ticket was stamped on Prince Andrew's car, because he was dining at a private members' club in Mayfair, and he socialised at Lulu's for about four hours, and a warden ticketed the car before being told by a protection officer that royal cars can park on the lines. It's fine, isn't it? So, obviously, two different laws in this country. Prince Andrew, who... Why didn't you just get somebody to drive you, dear, and then take the car back? You only live around the corner. He was later pictured leaving a nightclub. Oblivious to the incident, Buckingham Palace declined to comment. Well, are they not responsible to anybody now? Ridiculous. Westminster Council explained that on-duty police are exempt from parking tickets. Andrew was exempt because he was accompanied by his protection officer. Well, to be honest, if you saw Prince Andrew driving... Who would, why would he have a protection officer? 
It's only Prince Andrew, for goodness sake. Nobody cares about Prince Andrew. A protection officer. Last week, Hillary Clinton, of course, had less luck. She was in a car, which wasn't a diplomatic car, it was a private vehicle, and got an £80 fine. She was parked for 45 minutes. But Prince Andrew gets a ticket on the Range Road because he just thinks he's, he's above everything. What he does for a job, nobody's ever quite fathomed out. But uh, the ticket gets removed from the car. Interesting, isn't it? That's I'll try it. Uh, this is Prince Andrew's car. Sorry? Prince Andrew's car. Just parking it for him, and he'll, he'll be back very shortly. Don't bother putting a ticket on it. The poor old traffic wardens, they don't know what to do, do they? You can't put a, a you know a traffic a ticket on here. You can't do this. You've got to be that. And this is, I'm only going to be two minutes. But I've seen no end of coppers parking on double yellow lines, putting their indicator lights on or rushing in to use a cash point, parked illegally. They don't get tickets. I'll tell you, I'd have a ticket. <laughs> Done. I would never stand in front of a car and give a ticket. Not for fear of being driven over. I would stand behind it. I'm walking towards it, writing out the tickets, and then click, got the photograph, got the ticket on the car. I love watching it. I love watching it happen all the time. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. It's quarter to six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Hello, 10 to 6 is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Apparently, if you're always being told, and we are being told by the media, aren't we, to increase friendly bacteria, but there's a leading doctor who has said now, forget the trendy probiotic drinks, eat porridge. Porridge, apparently, is the big saving grace. And I used to eat porridge on a regular basis. But what I did, I bought the uh, instant porridge, where you pour hot water into some things and you stir it, a bit like a pot noodle thing. And I think it was oats so simple. And you can buy a big box of, or a big bag of, of Scott's porridge oats, and you can make it yourself. But I can't be bothered. So I was doing this other thing. Somebody said, why are you eating that? I said, it's porridge, it's good for you. He said, no, not that instant stuff's no good for you. That's full of sugar. What do we eat, that kind of thing? So he's telling us, forget all the probiotic drinks. Because I keep seeing these adverts on the television, they've got this and that in. I think, oh, I'll drink that, that'll, that'll make my, my gut better, it'll, it'll do wonderful things for me. And then somebody said, it doesn't do anything, there's no proven... It's like sticking um, uh, what are they solar panels on the roof to reduce your electricity bill. You know, it doesn't work in a lot of cases, I'm afraid. The exclusive brethren, says David, are exactly the same. No modern technology. If their kids walk out, the parents never speak to them again. Yes, I've, I've, I've heard that from other religions, actually. Not necessarily ones that, that one I've never heard of, the exclusive brethren. But I've heard of, uh, of other people, and when, when their children walk out, um, the parents have, have disowned them. I have no son, I have no daughter. They, they, they literally wipe them off the face of the earth, which is a bit, bit of a shame, really, isn't it? It's like, um, you know, people sort of just falling out with each other, especially in families, Families falling out, which is terrible. I must get some more porridge. I must do proper porridge, I've decided. I must do proper porridge. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning after the news at seven. Why has one London council laboured the fit-to-work test as unfit for purpose? Plus, the day before the Met Commissioner joins Nick in the studio as yet another twist hits the Plebgate investigation. Nick will be asking, what question would you ask Sir Bernard Hogan how? Gillian Joseph, the Sky News presenter, is live in the studio looking through the papers this morning. So she'll get the story about uh, finding this little blonde girl in this Roma camp where she was stolen by this uh, family who aren't her biological parents or anything else. Uh, that makes all the papers today. And they say that, you know, we should never give up on all the other children. Although it appears that they've had this one since she was about two weeks old. So obviously stolen, could have been stolen from a hospital, could have been anywhere. Could have been absolutely anywhere. Paul in Manchesterford says, heard you mention about the shelf life of the X Factor ads. To my shame, 
I did watch the one-trick pony that is Lee Francis, a.k.a. Keith Lemon, the other night. Purely for research, you understand, because it was an X Factor special. The panel consisted of Dermot, that's not a ferret in my trousers, O'Dreary, Louise Walsh and Nicole Schertzlinger, along with Miss Cotton and Co. The highlight of the show were several acts who didn't win X Factor, supposedly singing in the shower, whilst the panellists sat on the loo trying to guess who the folks behind the shower curtain wore, were. were. <laughs> Cue the dreadful Christopher... Maloney bloke, who lived with Grandma in Liverpool and had never done anything and wanted to prove himself, and it turned out then he'd been on cruise ships for years and he'd cut an album. Melanie Masson, who, when first appeared, was asked, where have you been till now? We all knew the answer. She was a backing and session singer to every man and dog for 20 years. And finally, a boy band, who, according to Mr Walsh, really made the song they sang their own. Sadly so memorable, he promptly forgot their name. The only act that now seems to spend his life in the shower for questionable photo shoots, Lloyd Daniels, was, however, nowhere to be seen. It only proved the claims in the press that the mentors had little or no interest in the acts that were looking after, and how soon they and the public forgot. Re your experience, he says, with the self-check till in Morrison's. When you put your bag on it, the computer thinks it should be empty and raise the alarm as it actually weighed more than the item you'd paid for as your items from the shop were in it, thus making I th- they probably thought you were on the nick. Same thing happened to me. To my great embarrassment, I caused a security alert a few weeks ago at our local Asda store. On the way to the chemist to drop off Dad's monthly shipping order, I stopped off to buy some of his sugar-free strawberry vanilla water. I plonked the bag on the self-check till, scanned the four bottles of water, put them in the bag, and then the screen bleeped up, assistance needed. I had to explain what the large yellow box full of Dad's used needles and assorted paraphernalia was, and I wasn't going to attack the staff with them, and that I was taking them to the chemist to be disposed of. <laughs> Actually, the funny thing was that, of course, they, they sell all of this rice that I had in my bag. It's on their shelves at a pound as well, so they, they always look at you fairly suspiciously, don't they? Which is what I like, Paul. I, I think that's quite funny. Always makes me laugh there. I've, I've been known to do things like that before. Uh, Andrew says, uh, is it true that uh, it mentions a new record single in her new autobiography, Katie Price. Oh, I don't think we're going to waste time with anything like that. I'm very surprised, actually, that, uh, in fact, one of somebody here in the office has got a copy of the Katie Price autobiography, and she's hidden it under her desk. But we saw it this morning. So somebody in the office is obviously a fan of Katie Price, which is a bit embarrassing, isn't it, really? I might name names on the show tomorrow. I haven't, I haven't quite decided whether I will or not. Uh, what do we have in the, in the Daily Star today? Nothing. Killer spiders. We're still going on about killer spiders. Try and make us uh, worry. There's a man here. One of these poisonous spiders bit him on the toe. Oh, no. Puts the fear of God into me, I'm afraid. Uh, Raymond Blanc. Talking about TV Ruby. This is one who cries all the time. Go away. Go away. Silly girl, honestly. And who's our page three girl today? Our page three girl is uh, Holly. And Holly comes from Eastbourne. I bet Eastbourne is delighted today. One of your own has got her kit off. Fantastic. Uh, the doctor who uh, who uh, knew all about Michael Jackson, this is Conrad Murray, wants a top Hollywood agent to help him flog his story when he's freed from jail next week. A lot of money is being offered for a TV interview. Only going to prove what I said all along, crime really does pay. Really does pay. You know, everybody from the, the craze downwards... And I mean that most sincerely. You know, crime pays. If the craze had been released from prison... In fact, there is an interview, isn't there, with one of the craze, which was done in his, in his deathbed, um, because they, there was an autobiography that came out, which I think they'd done, in which they admitted to another murder. And, uh, well, I say another murder, it was another killing. 
but it turned out to be some kid that they'd reversed over in their car, and they only decided to do it when the book came out. Uh, Maddie Girl, Hunt for Ten Missing Kids. If these Romas in, uh, in Greece steal children, and this couple uh, face up to 20 years in prison. I love the way they've got all the other people, they're saying they were really good parents. It's not their child. Doesn't matter whether they're good parents, yeah, they might be absolutely fantastic. Not their child. So, 20 years in prison, and then they might as well go around to all the other... Everybody's probably feverishly hiding children now in these camps, I should imagine. Uh, a, bit of a, a bit of a showdown. Actually, there's a thing the other day, what did I see? It was somebody from... Somebody from... I'm a celebrity or X Factor or something like that, who's done a calendar. It's... Wait a minute, can you... Uh, wait a minute, let me just find... Um, Oh, uh, wait a minute. I'll, I'll never find this thing. Can I go in on there and, and find something? Right. Let me just let me just find it. Because it was somebody who I've never heard of in the... Wait a minute. Uh, and I don't need that. I need I need that. Oh, no. I'll, I'll, I'll do it later. I'll have to do it tomorrow for you. But it was somebody from either The X Factor or Big Brother. I think Big Brother, who's done a calendar. I don't even know who they are. I don't even know who they are. And his, his name's... Um, what the dickens is his name? Dale. Somebody Dale. Somebody Dale. That's all I remember. I think Dale was his, was his surname. No, it wasn't Dale Howard, but some, I th- I'm sure Dale was a surname. Anyway, he's done this calendar. It's the most awful calendar I've ever seen in my entire life. It's absolutely... Of course, now we've found all sorts of strange things on the internet. Uh, but it's, it's very odd. And I remember looking at the picture thinking, why on earth, if you look like that... Would you ever go over a calendar? Even though people have very kindly offered to uh, buy me the Peter Andre calendar, I think I shall, I shall forego the pleasure. Thank you very much indeed. Ben Cohen is uh, in the latest edition of Attitude magazine. Uh, he was asked if it was t- saying, uh, somebody said, is it true that if you're a good dancer, you're supposed to be good in BED? And, uh, and he says, I'm rubbish at both. So there you go. But funny thing, I've never heard of that thing before. If you're good at dancing, I mean, I'm a particularly good dancer. But uh, oh, there you go. Rest my case. Uh, Steve, <laughs> we're going to catch the Eurostar to Paris. So we're going to Ebbsfleet International. Going away for three days for the wife's birthday. Well, I hope you've taken her. I know what some people are like. You know, we've left Kevin at home. Oh dear. Terrible. He says, I hope the, fr- the weather in France is going to be better than what you described earlier. I don't think it is. I think it's going to go across Europe. I think we're going to end up with uh, terrible, terrible weather. Although, uh, Philip is in France at the moment, and he says, I can pick you up loud and clear on my mobile in France. Hello. He says, the only problem is it doesn't translate your voice into French. That'd be funny listening to this programme in French. That would make me, that would make me laugh a little bit, I'm afraid. Just a, just a little tiny bit. Colin Farrell hopes people are inspired by his sobriety since he quit booze and drugs. 37 years now. He says, anybody can do it. He said, I don't see myself as a role model, but if I can do it, anybody can do it. And David Beckham, uh, on the advice of Gordon Ramsay, is going to give it a, a whirl and try a triathlon. I think Beckham's way past anything like that, don't you? He might better run a few feet up and down a pitch, but the last time we saw him playing football, it'd be easy to bring out your grandfather. Coming up next, news at six o'clock. It's LBC, it's Steve Allen, it's Tuesday. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Tweet at LBC 973. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Five minutes past six. It's LBC 97.3. I have porridge every morning. 
says Mike. Recommended by my nutritionist. Helps us diabetics to control sugar levels. It only takes three minutes in the microwave. I put sweetener in it. Ooh, sounds horrible. <laughs> I like it with the sugar. I'll tell you what I would really like. Por- I mean, I have had porridge, but it's, a friend of mine buys all these instant ones. And I did say to him, I said, to be honest with you, I said, it's this Oats So Simple. But I think Oats So Simple is owned by Coca-Cola. It's certainly owned by some company that seems to be so far removed from it. I'm, pr- I'm pretty certain, anyway. And so he buys loads of it because he thinks it's really good for him. I keep saying it's got sugar in it and it's, it's not good for you. But you can buy a big bag of oats, can't you, in the supermarkets now, and that, that's supposed to be good for you. Although, you know, to be brutally honest, a nice good fry-up first thing in the morning is the kind of thing that we want. I'd love to... I was talking to somebody the other day who... And I'm going to be talking to somebody for In Conversation this week who's, who goes running every day and, and writes down on their blog exactly how long it's taken them to do, you know, six miles, three miles, ten miles. It's owned by Pepsi. I knew it was a fizzy drink. I knew it was a fizzy drink. Oats So Simple is, is Pepsi. What else do they own? Do Pepsi have lots of other major brands under their, uh, under their umbrella? It was, it's, it's very interesting because the, I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago about uh, funeral directors. And I said, you see a lot of funeral directors, so-and-so and son or so-and-so and daughter. I think there's one in Fulham and daughter. But most of the funeral directors now come under the big insurance companies. Very rarely do you find any of them that are privately owned. So, because people go there and they think, oh, it's a family business. But it, it generally isn't. Tropicana comes under Pepsi as well. It's like the other one, which is the most interesting one, out of all the <coughs> out of all the big brands, Estee Lauder, that huge, huge company, have got loads of brands. They've got all sorts of things. I think Joe Malone is theirs. I think Clinique is theirs. And Bobby Brett, whatever it was, it's so many different companies. You think they all fit under one umbrella. Tropicana, definitely. I like their juice. I can't have it, but I like it. It's very nice indeed. So David Beckham has said that he's going to go running now and he's going to tackle a triathlon. I don't think that will happen. I don't think David Beckham's got enough time in, bet- in between advertising, you know, cotton buds and, and uh, an om underwear. I don't think he's got enough time to go out there and start training for something. Also, he's too old to start training. I think, for something like that. Weather for today. Here we go. Let's ruin your Tuesday, I'm afraid. Cloudy. Outbreaks of rain. Showers getting heavier this afternoon. Will be mild. At the moment, it's 16 degrees, and it will climb to the heady, heady heights of 17 degrees later on today. Uh, Tonight, the rain will clear away at the start of the evening. Showers will return later, becoming heavy and possibly thundery. It will feel mild. Lows of 15 degrees. And for tomorrow, heavy showers will soon move. A few light showers will follow. Generally dry with sunny spells, maximum temperature, 17 degrees. And for Thursday, sunny spells and showers. Then the heavy rain arrives. Friday, more heavy showers, remaining mild. And Saturday, becoming dry as the showers move away. All in all, it's pretty wet everywhere. All in all, it's pretty yuck, I'm afraid. So take your umbrella with you, and hopefully things will be A-OK. I mentioned the... uh, the end of the comb-over, they think, they think, don't get too excited if you're losing your hair or it's dropped out, they think that they may have uncovered a way to make hair grow again. This has always been the problem, hasn't it? Whenever people have had hair transplants, they take it from the back of your head uh, where it's growing and they cut and they do little patches and everything, but it never looks the same. It never looks the same. There's always some problem with it. And even in the case of... You know, I always I always highlight the case of Frank Sinatra and Elton John, both hugely wealthy and still have to stick syrups on the head. 
still. You know, there is obviously no cure. You would think Sinatra, with all his millions, I'd love to have known how much Frank Sinatra left, because compared to nowadays, I should imagine Elton John is much, much richer than Sinatra. I know that uh, Barbara Sinatra is still alive. Somebody was talking to her the other day about something. I think it was talking about who the father of Mia Farrow's son was, and they were saying it could be Frank Sinatra and Barbara, his, his widow, said it was so ridiculous. I think she's 80-something. Eight, or was that Bob Hope's widow? Oh, never remember. 86. 86, unbelievable. Still going strong. Uh, there's some stories to tell. There's some stories to tell, I bet. My goodness me. So, wet all this week, I'm afraid. Not so, not so great for you. Uh, gypsies, ten more maddies. The, the papers are full of this story because it's so interesting. And on the front of the, uh, the sun, they've got Meet the Parents. They've been charged with abducting Maria. That's the name that she's got. Whether that was her original name, we have no idea. Where they got her from, I shouldn't imagine you could trust these people to tell the truth if they were sitting on a Bible because uh, she was abducted. They claim she was handed to them as a baby. But, of course, you only have to look to realise this Mediterranean pair and a little blonde white girl who speaks some sort of Roma, they're saying. But then she hasn't known anything else. She hasn't known anything else. She's been, you know, she's brought up with... She probably thinks that they are her parents, which is going to be quite traumatic. So a lot of the television programmes yesterday were devoting themselves to dragging out all the psychologists on the programmes they came, trotting out the same old lines, and not actually saying anything, just saying that she could be damaged, she could be scarred. Because if you take somebody away from... You know, if you've been with them since you were two weeks old or three weeks old or whatever it was, irrespective of the fact that they are not her parents, she doesn't know that. As far as she's concerned, these are the people that she grows up with. These are the people she sees every single day. We know, but you can't explain to a four-year-old, she could be four or five, they're not too sure, um, what, you know, this is not your parents is going to mean to her. She thinks they're her parents. And then somebody, get, like you, imagine yourself in the same situation. And somebody says, oh, by the way, the people that you've been with, all they're not your parents. You go, yes, they are. They go, well, they're not, actually. No, you were snatched as a child and, and uh, they're not your parents and we're going to try and find who your parents are. How they do that and how incredible this journey could be remains to be seen. And then all of a sudden, this poor girl at the age of four, because quite clearly they're not going to let her go back to this, uh, this pair who thieve for a living. They found guns, they found drugs, they found everything on this, on this Roma site. So, uh, so that's not particularly good. So this girl's going to be sitting there, then all of a sudden, you know, if, if it runs its course... Along comes somebody who's got the same DNA. It's going to be, you know, her parents. And she's going to look at them like, who in goodness knows name are you? And they're going to say, we're your real parents. What? How do you explain that to a four-year-old? It's not physically possible. I don't think four-year-olds are capable of understanding things like that. It's like trying to explain heaven, like trying to explain people dying. She's not going to understand that the two people she's been with for the whole of her life up until now have been taken away from her. And now she's with this other family who might or might not be her genuine parents. What a, what a trauma this girl is going to go through. Absolutely unbelievable. Front of the, uh, the mail today, the health tourists, which uh, people are going to make a big thing about the government saying that they're going to clamp down. They're hoping to recover up to £500 million a year by saying to these people when they come in, no, we're not treated. Do you have medical insurance? No, well, you're not being treated. Better go find somewhere else. But unfortunately, because of our, our, our ethics within the NHS, we don't turn people away but they're going to have to be hardened to it. Do you have medical insurance? Do you have a credit card? No, all they'll do is just turn up going, I'm going to die, but I don't have a credit card. What are we going to do? Say, well, you're going to have to die. I don't know how on earth the government are going to recover £500 million. At the moment, the bill is around between £1.9 billion 
to £2 billion. That's a hundred times more than they originally thought. And we've seen it. It's like people arriving claiming asylum in the country. We've seen them doing it on the television programmes where they get on the plane with all their documentation. They get on the plane, they rip it all up and flush it down the toilet. Get here the other end. Do you have any passports? No. Asylum. You know, in Australia. Sorry? Right, will you wait here? No, you're going back today. It's as simple as that. We sort of hang on to them for ages. And with the NHS, the health tourists are costing us a small fortune. It could be a fantastic service. It is a fantastic service. But not, uh, not costing us an extra £2 billion a year. You go, you go to, the, uh, to any doctor's surgery, you go to any area which is densely populated by visitors from overseas, you go to the hospitals, they're absolutely chocolate. They can't believe you get free treatment. In countries that some of these people come from, they'd wait for ages to even get tablets. Over here, you turn up, you create a big fuss, they give you tablets. You go in, you want heart surgery? Yeah, we um, fit in tomorrow, if you like. Thousands and thousands of pounds wasted. Now we know. Even more money wasted than we originally thought. Two billion pounds a year. Small wonder the Daily Mail have got themselves very excited. Quarter past six. LBC 97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. You frighten me now. I went to the hairdressers a week ago, and it's a standard joke. Whenever I go in to Paul Cooper's shop in Twickenham, I go, I think I need to go to the hairdresser. My hair's gone a bit fluffy. And, and Clive had just said to me, he said, do you need to go to the hairdresser? Because now I'm now going in a panic. Because yesterday, I could have gone to the hairdressers, because I had the time. to. D- I'm now going to have to go to the hairdressers today to keep... Because the, if, if you keep your hair cut short, as I do, not that I'm losing it in any way, shape or form, but I like to keep it cut short, you've got to keep it trimmed on a regular basis. And so I'm going to have to go back in again today and get my hair cut. But that's the first... He's never mentioned that before. Why has he mentioned that today? Why has he done that to me? That is really scary. That is very scary. Anyway, uh, The Telegraph... Today, the bun fight over the Bake Off, I should imagine, Ruby Tando um, is absolutely revelling in the publicity. This is the one who cries at the drop of a hat. She's a bit drippy. And uh, Raymond Blanc has said she's won. Because the programme is pre-recorded. So they've obviously done it. It's like the X Factor, what you're watching, I believe, has happened before. So what you're seeing is sort of the aftermath. It's not done live, is it, as far as... Dawn will have to tell me that. But uh, So there's a bun fight over the Bake Off. Uh, he said that she is the uh, the winner. And he's actually appeared to identify the winner of tonight's pre-recorded final. So why, why, why pre-record it? Why not do it live? Why not do it? Uh, heavy rains, high winds. It must be half term again. It's not half term, is it? We'll be back, to, back to that one. Forcing workers by law to save for their retirement might be the only way to avoid a looming pensions catastrophe. I spoke to a friend of mine the other day. Peter, and we were talking about having enough money for your retirement, and he's coming up to retirement age. And I said, have you got enough money to retire? Well, he doesn't know. I suspect the answer is probably not, because you don't know how much you're going to need for retirement. He thinks, as indeed I do, that if you stop work, it then means that you've got more time to go out shopping. But if you don't have enough money saved up, you can't really afford to do it. Whereas if you're working, that's great because it takes you out of the equation. You don't need to go out shopping because you're working for eight hours of the day, or in his case, about 10 or 12 hours a day. And so that's why it's a, it's a little bit difficult for him to say. He went on a cruise, though. Loved the cruise. He said, have you done a cruise? I said, yeah, we did Royal Caribbean a few years back, and it was a few years back now. I said, and loved it. Try and avoid children on a cruise, even though we took children with us, because uh, children on a cruise, they don't get on. But the food was great. The ships are lovely. You know, and you could effectively just sleep your way around the world. It wouldn't be too difficult to do. And it's quite cheap. 
And I was telling him about cheap holidays to Malta, where I'd seen 15 weeks for just over £1,000. You could get it a little bit cheaper, depending on the standard of the room you want. But 15 weeks. I said, that's three months. Three months and a bit. It's just unbelievably cheap. It's cheaper to go there than it is to stay here and put your murderously expensive heating on. So I reckon loads of pensioners this year will be looking to go to Spain, looking to go to Malta, looking to go to all the places that offer cheap holidays because you can stay away throughout the ridiculously cold, wet and windy winter. Go somewhere where there's a bit of sunshine. Not everybody likes Malta. You might not enjoy Malta. But for the sake of staying away, £1,000 for three months, couldn't afford to stay here for that price. So why not go away and sort of save the, the electricity bill? And you can still pick up LBC. You can still pick it up on a computer, on a laptop. Just go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, and learn how you can uh, pick up the, uh, the station all over the world, which is a big advantage. And, of course, you can download, you can take podcasts and stuff like that. So you're, you're never that far away from LBC, your, your bit of home, as they say. Times today is, uh, are you a bake-off buff? They're all going on about it. There's only a TV programme. It's three people baking. You know, and that's it. One who cries a lot and is a bit of a drip, and two others who you'll never hear of ever again, I should imagine. Energy bills, they say, will top, after the new price hikes, 1,500 quid for the first time, because now I think NPower have increased their gas and electric by 10.4%. That will add almost £140 to the annual cost of heating and lighting a home. Fantastic, isn't it? They really don't care about you. They're not remotely interested. Once they've signed you up, they've got you by the uh, little things. And uh, and they're squeezing as tightly as they can. There must be a lot of people now, a lot of people who are sort of worrying about whether or not to put the uh, the heating on this year because it's just so expensive. It just really is, and that's why, as we've said before, I've always been the first one to advocate that uh, pensioners put the heating on. What can they do? What can they do about it? They can't, they can't cut you off if you're a pensioner. They can't take you to court. Definitely not. Uh, Giles Brandreth has said the fastest route to parliamentary success is via a television studio. He's applauded the rise of the auto cutie in the recent shuffle. So people like Gloria De Piero, the one who posed topless, I believe, and uh, Esther McVeigh, who made uh, a transition from a daytime TV sofa, Yes, and of course she was one of our presenters on Five's Company. I've seen her in various states of undress. I have no photographs to bear this out, but uh, I promise you. Anna Soubry, the third of the new breed of presenters, turned politician who have experienced, as Mr Brandreth describes it, life in the raw. Uh, the BBC have now shelved, incidentally, that comic relief investigation. It was due to be screened, but the bosses have shelved it. The Daily Mirror said it was the second time the piece had been pulled Drawing parallels, of course, with the uh, Newsnight exposure by the uh, DJ Jimmy Savile of sexual abuse. Independent today on the front page, how Camelot has avoided millions in tax with help from teachers in Canada. In the second part of their investigation, the National Lottery Operator Scheme is exposed. The Eurobond tax scandal. They've saved £10 million. It's a, an illegal loophole that HMRC failed to close. So what they do, they uh, have loans taken from their Canadian owner via, via the Channel Islands Stock Exchange. The owner is one of Canada's largest pension plans, the Ontario Teachers Pension Plan Board. The revelation comes as the National Lottery, of course, has doubled the price of its ticket. It's £2. And so they've done this, this joint uh, thing here, which is absolutely unbelievable. They estimated the loophole was costing the public purse £200 million. What with that, five and uh, £2 billion being wasted on the uh, the people flying into the country then booking themselves into a hospital. 
It's not too good. MPs going to war over expensive. There's a Commons group refusing to allow cuts to evening meals, taxis, hotels, TV and even tea and biscuits, ladies and gentlemen. It's the gravy train to end all gravy trains. An 11% pay rise for MPs, up to 74,000, which uh, they expect will go through in weeks, despite opposition from number 10. And uh, more on the tax lottery. They're all going for it today. Great British Bake Off, the Daily Mirror... Uh, have got the world's most wanted woman cuddling her newborn baby, Siraj. She's a, a former schoolgirl, obviously a little bit deluded, I'm afraid, but uh, wanted and will be caught eventually, I should imagine. Uh, very quickly, uh, thank you to you for all your texts and uh, emails. Apparently, Simon says LBC is on DAB Digital Radio in Malta. That's the first. There you go, you learn everything, don't you? And uh, Louise says, porridge with dark brown muscovado sugar. Love it. Just like your programme. Well, it's good for you. It's very good for you, which is, uh, which is what, we, what we like. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And um, another one here, which says, uh, does Paul not know that local authorities arrange collection of Sharpies? Well, I just take them into the doctors, like he does as well, and the local chemist will take them in as well. What a waste of public services if you allow the local authority to come around and collect your Sharpie bins with all your Sharpies if you're a diabetic, all your needles. Have a great day. Wrap up warm. Take an umbrella. It's going to be wet and miserable. Nick and the team with you after the news at seven this morning. Coming up next, the morning news with Lisa Aziz.